All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Punk Rock Barbershop. Black artists and black creatives talking about their white influences. I am your host, Michael Robertson Reed. We are coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, also known as Marion Anderson City. And today we are going to be doing a bit of a departure one, I'm having some massive microphone challenges, but with this being the punk rock barbershop, we do things as they come, not as we want them to be. So this, uh, the recording sound on this will be my uh, philosophical tribute to some of the uh, some of the albums by Absolution and the Gories. And if you don't know who those bands are, you should uh, Google them particularly the Gories. Mick Collins was really the godfather of the Detroit rock scene, and there would be no White Stripes uh, without the Gories. But that's another conversation for another time. Uh, we are here with Hannah Wallace, and this is going to be a bit of a unique interview because most of the people that I have interviewed on the program before have been people that I've had some type of pre-existing relationship with. And Hannah, that's not really the case with us, is it? No, nope, no, nope, it's not. Okay, and if you could lean in a little closer to the microphone. Sure thing, sure thing. Uh, yeah, so we don't really, like, uh, I feel like in the 30, like 35 minutes that we spent chatting, testing the mic levels, and then chatting in my living room beforehand, that's probably more that we've talked in that short time frame. Than in than, all time. Than, the, like, the, the yeah. whole time we've known each other, which is probably been maybe like four years at this point like spread out. Yeah, yeah yeah we have lots of friends of friends which yes is good. yeah mm -hmm. yeah we 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 have common associates we know people in common but uh we're sort of like ships passing in the wind i feel like we see each other every eight months and yep. it's like hey how's it going what's good. going on you know all <laughs> right. of that mm -hmm. very cool well uh yeah thank you for being here today appreciate it um, if you can, um, so, so let's just sort of like dive right in. Tell us your, who are you and, uh, and what do you do for your vocation? How, how do you make your, your money in this world? Money in this world. Yes. Uh, so I have found a vocation in the collections of the city of, uh, Philadelphia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Philadelphia. Right. Right. Marion Anderson city. Marion Anderson city. Yes, Correct. indeed. Uh, so I work at the African American Museum in Philadelphia as the educational programming manager. Um, and I also am a fellow at the Colored Girls Museum uh, up here in Germantown. And uh, I do sell my rugs. I make rugs. Um, that's a family practice. And they are for sale. So, you know, I always like to give that shout out. Very and cool. We'll be talking more about that today. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, so, so I feel like, you know, most people should be familiar with the with the african-american museum i i would imagine but perhaps you know uh hopefully you know for the five people that actually listen to this podcast um some of them are not in philadelphia so mm -hmm. uh you know so describe um and wh what's the official title for our is it the african-american museum in pennsylvania or in philadelphia yes the, uh, the african-american museum in philadelphia gotcha mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so, you know, so sort of break down what the African-American Museum in Philadelphia, like, you know, what is it about? Sure. What are some of the exhibits that mm -hmm. one would see there? Yeah. Uh, so the museum, uh, founded in 1976, a part of, uh, Philadelphia's bicentennial, uh, looks at Philadelphia African-American history right now, ranging from 1776 to 1876. 
and that's in our permanent exhibition on uh, the first two galleries downstairs. And as you move upstairs, uh, it turns into art. So kind of reinterpreting all these histories and, and futurist uh, looks at, at our culture. Um, and those upstairs exhibitions or special exhibitions change out about every three to six months. So we always get new artists and many times Philadelphia black artists, um, but we go all over the world really. Very cool, very cool. And for people who might not know about the Colored Girls Museum, yeah. can you can you break that down for sure, us? Sure, sure. Uh, so the Colored Girls Museum was founded in two, uh, 2015 as part of the Fringe Arts Festival by uh, Vashti Dubois. Um, it is a house museum, a very, very rare and special sort. It's founded out of the house of the founder, and she still lives there. Um, so the the museum itself is uh, dedicated to the stories of, of black women, you know, of all ages, the Colored Girls Museum. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going all ages. Um, so it's definitely, I'd say, uh, art museum, um, but a house museum. So it's very historic. You know, it's a very an old home. Um, but it holds very contemporary art, so it's it's definitely a nice mix. And those exhibitions uh, shift out about, I believe, every three months as well. Um, but yes, yes, so art all dedicated, different forms, you know, mixed media forms dedicated to the story of the black girl. Very cool. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get into your origin story a bit. Sure. Uh, tell So tell the good people, where are you from? Where did you grow up? All, all of that. Sure. Uh, I was born in Louisville, Texas, um, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up in a smaller town called Easton in, in Pennsylvania, uh, not too far from Philly. Um, and it's a, it's definitely a city. Easton's a city, but uh, there's a township, Palmer, where I grew up um, right next door. Uh, so, yes, I was there for really my whole, whole you know, preschool up until high school. Um, and then I went to Monmouth University um, out in Jersey, and I was there until Sandy hit. It t- mm-hmm. took away the beach, so I said, all right. <laughs> you decided this yeah. might not be for you. I took my classes at the ocean. Uh, yeah, so I decided uh, to transfer, and I transferred to Temple University, African-American studies, um, minor in sociology, and I started working at the Charles Bloxon Collection. Uh, oh, there. very cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So that led into my interests in this informal education uh, base of, of learning. Yeah. So... Um, What's the story behind being born in Texas? Like, was someone yeah. in your family in the army? I I just oh, as, right. I just assume that uh, if mm-hmm. people are born in Texas but they don't actually grow up grow in up Texas, they yeah. like they're born on an army base. Is that even accurate for your uh, family? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. No, no. Not not at all. Not good, at all. Good. I mean, it's it's close. Uh, we definitely did move around a lot. Um, but so uh, yes, I was in Texas. I was born there. Uh, my father. Uh, uh, does human resource projects um, at, uh, excuse me, human resources for large nuclear construction projects. Um, so at the time, uh, he was based in Texas, uh, Dallas, I believe, and we were out right outside of Dallas. So kind of moved around with, with his work. Um, I was, uh, before before I was born, my parents were all over the country, Arizona, uh, I believe Utah, California, Minnesota. My sister was born in Minnesota. And that's where my mother's side of the family's from. Um, but yeah, so I, after Texas, uh, we came, I know we bounced around a little bit. It's a little blurry for myself, but then we landed in Easton, Pennsylvania because my father was working in New Jersey. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So lots of bouncing as a kid. But, uh, but by the time I was in preschool, you know, once I started having memories, um, we were already in Easton. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I know very little about Easton and Mm -hmm. I feel like I mentioned this. 
when we first met each other. So really, well, I'm proud to say that I know two things about Easton now. Mm -hmm. I recently learned that Lafayette College yeah, is in Easton. My first job. Very yeah, cool. I was working awesome. at the library there. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Um, so yeah, I think I literally learned that on Wednesday. Okay. Maybe. Uh, the only other thing that I really know about Easton. Wait, wait, I, I already know what it is. It's either mm -hmm. Larry Holmes or the Crayola Factory. Yeah, Larry Holmes. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea about the Crayola Factory. Okay. The Crayola Factory is in Easton? Founded in Easton, yep. Awesome. That is, that is good. I'm sure my dad knows that. My, my dad is a pretty big history person, and he uh, anything involving history and business together, he's like he's very knowledgeable of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. all I know, yeah, the Easton assassin, Larry Holmes. Yep. So are, are there, like, massive murals of him all over town? Or uh, is there's, it... Yep, there's a statue. There's a, a street named after him. Um that's that's what I know. He has a restaurant in, in Easton okay, as well. Very so, nice. Mm -hmm, definitely lots of influence. He actually was honored during my high school graduation too. So that's the first time I ever saw him in person. I was really far away in like nosebleed seats. Mm, mm -hmm. um, but another fun fact, Easton was actually founded by William Penn's sons. So if you think. Oh, of, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, not too far from Philly. So, you, you know, that's how families moved back. Yeah, then, I guess. yeah, definitely. Colonization. Yes, right? yes. This is, this is very, very, very true. Yeah. So what... What was the vibe like in Easton? Like what, you know, well, so let's, yeah. let's do some, some basic facts. So you said you have a sister? Yes, I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, the only sibling that you only have? Sibling, yeah. Okay. Yeah. About a year older than myself. Okay. Very mm -hmm. cool. Um, and so, so she was like, y'all grew up together. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I have two older brothers who are mm -hmm. nine and seven years older mm -hmm. than me. So... The my brother Gene left for college when I was yeah when I was seven and okay. then Terrence left for college when I was nine yeah. so I have very few vague hazy memories of us all mm -hmm. living in the house together like it's oh yeah no, there's we like were, only three things we I were remember. everything everything together we actually for a while our parents dressed us alike I'm glad that that died okay out. yeah that's uh, I mean <laughs> yeah were they super mm -hmm. angry at you and it was it like you you were always like smoking cigarettes and they were like well <laughs> we'll get revenge on them we're gonna dress no, them no, alike this or... is like when we were you know young like tots okay all right little tots they were like oh let's just give them matching outfits uh, people liked it you know same hairstyle everyone would confuse us people sure. still confuse us we don't sure. look, we don't look alike anymore but they, you know, after you get some of that uh, dressing exactly alike, you mm -hmm. just kind of become one another. Yeah, so. it, it it blurs together in the right, collective right. conscious. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so yeah, so um, so you said that your so your dad was in human resources for nuclear construction yes. sites. Yes. Mm -hmm. How like how how does someone get that job? I mean, is he just like a, a genius yeah. like physicist who's great with people like through. like yeah like i mean how do you how do you end up in that field my dad is is i'd say he's actually it's pretty mysterious i don't know much about how he led into the job i just kind of hear the stories but um but i mean you know I, I do you know i heard enough about him really being the uh the only black man you know in his in kind of the cohort of workers that he had you know he um so a lot of the cases that would come to human resources involving you know any people of color or you know he said you know people of color and women so I'm like oh that's that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. would 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 come to him yeah the people that are getting othered yes would be put to the uh to the other other mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so i know that um about my father i don't know too much about how he how he got into the practice he started um in the national park service and that actually has been some inspiration for me I, 
I'm interested in the Park Service myself. Um, my grandfather, too, his his father was also uh, part of the Park Service. So, yeah, but that's a big jump. So yeah. I don't know. There's like the, the middle area I'm not too sure about. I have to ask him more. Um, but my mother uh, worked at Lafayette College, too. She's, okay. she's just, I believe she's about to get up on, was it 20 years working at Lafayette College? Yeah, yeah. And, w- um, and what does she do there? Administrative assistant at okay. the Williams Center for the Arts. Uh, she started in the football office, Lafayette College football, and then transitioned over to the arts. Okay. So. W- was she into football at all, or was it like, I, I want to work here, so this is the job that's open, this is my in? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, administrative work, you know. Sure. Yeah, it seems like for colleges, you can kind of go from one to the other, at least at Lafayette. I don't, that's another I guess I just don't ask enough questions. I'm like, okay, cool, mom. Thanks. You know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, good. yeah. yeah. My, my mom was a, so yeah, I mean, both of my parents are mm-hmm. retired now cause they're good in their mid seventies. Yeah. They love it. They're, they're super happy. I imagine. Um, my mom originally was a social worker for a year okay. in New York and she, from what I know, she absolutely hated it, mm. but like, I don't, yeah, I don't really ask her yeah, much about yeah. it. Um, yeah, I, maybe I, sh- I could be a better son and be like, tell me what, yeah. Mm. Like, cause my parents, they, so my mom is from North Jersey. Okay. My dad's from Chicago. When they got married, they lived in Manhattan for a couple of years. So Did my oldest brother was born in Manhattan. Okay. Um, so, so I, yeah, I feel like if I were a good son, I would ask them like, "Oh, what was it like to live in Manhattan during the like, '60s?" But I, I don't ask. Yeah, pull you know? him down here for an interview. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should. I, well, yeah. I'm, I'm actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you say that because I was thinking about this. I want to interview my dad mm-hmm. because so my dad worked in corporate finance most of his career. Like mm-hmm. you know that was his thing. Um, when I was a kid, I feel like probably like many kids. I've just viewed my parents as these very square people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they literally have no life outside of telling me not to do things. And then, mm-hmm. like, they go to work and do stuff. Yeah, it doesn't seem too far off with my parents. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't call them squares. They, uh, they, I think that, you know, because seeing hobbies like my mom, like, go ahead and make a rug, you know. And my dad always wanted to be, at, you know, out in nature a lot. So I'm like, okay, like, hobbies are the way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what, what's interesting is that as I – some of the stuff I I heard about when I was a when I was younger, but I just didn't process it because you know it was hard for me to think of my dad as a fully fleshed human being. You know, I, <laughs> I just, know that's the thing with yeah, like, the complex yeah. with children and parents. Yeah, and yeah, I just viewed him as this you know guy who right. yeah, like I got to in trouble with. Yeah. Um, but but so like my dad actually. Um, well, I remember when I was a little kid and I was really into science fiction. Mm. And then, you know, as I got older in the high school, like I, you know, I was starting to get into films and I remember watching 2001, which before I just thought it was like, oh, it's just like this cool science fiction. It's a space movie. But I mean, it's really, you know, it's a movie about the, you know, the evolution of humankind mm-hmm. done through like a space journey. So it's, it's, it's more of a philosophical movie right. than a space yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it when I was 15. I didn't understand any of it mm-hmm. because it's just, it's, have you ever seen 2001? Have you ever seen it? No. No, it's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's all right. Don't, don't feel weird. I but, probably know. I do like science fiction, yeah. so I'll probably get into yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. and it's a Stanley Kubrick film, okay. but, um, there's maybe 30 minutes of actual dialogue, like maybe mm-hmm. 30 to 40 minutes. The first, um, 30 minutes, I think, is, is, um, 
planet Earth before evolution. So it's just mm. it's chimps just running around like doing stuff. Okay. So this when you're like watching an that at fifteen, yeah, it's like, well, well, like what what right, is this? Right. Um. So my dad was talking to me about it. And looking back, he was saying very profound things mm. about the movie. You know, I, you know I, I won't do any spoilers because I don't want someone yelling yeah. at me for the five <laughs> people that listen to this. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but the reason why I say that is it was finally when I was um, – yeah, I was in my 20s or 30s and I was talking to my dad about something. And my dad mentioned that he had the possibility of working – um, he really wanted to live in Europe after he mm. graduated college. So he was, I think he was being courted by General Motors mm. to work, you know, just to, to work in Michigan. Mm. And he turned the job down because he really wanted to live in Europe. And the reason that he wanted to live in Europe was that he was, you know, he was a, a huge fan of Roman Polanski's films. Mm. And so he wanted to be in Europe. So, you know, I mean, this Makes is... sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, and this, I would imagine, you know, is pre what we know about Roman Polanski. Do you know much about Roman Polanski? He's a, Not at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's, he's a very famous film director, uh, but he is also basically... Um, uh, it's widely believed, and I, I think it is true because I don't think people would make this up. So he committed a pretty heinous case... Uh, pretty heinous case of statutory rape like on a 14 year old like he like drugged her or something so basically like the u.s government has said if he steps in the united states Mm. he will be arrested like straight up so he's been living in europe since like 1971 or 1975 or something and he's he's kind of controversial in the film world because he makes like really amazing films like Mm. he's made oscar-winning films Mm. um but you know the scandal yeah yeah, but the you know the the separating of the the personal life and the mm. you know the professional but um but the you know my dad was telling me this like before i really knew about you know uh knew about the allegations against roman polanski but the reason why i mention it is that mm-hmm. it was really sort of like the first time that i sort of looked at my dad and was like oh okay like this is a guy with like artistic interests mm-hmm. and like you know he's not just this <laughs> uh, corporate finance dude. Right, so, right. so I would love to bring him in for an interview and just be like, oh, you know, like, so what's, you know, what is some of the, you know, the other artistic influences you have? So, right. um, but, but we're not here to talk about me. We're mm-hmm. here to talk about you. Yeah. So, it's a back and um, forth. yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're dialoguing. I oh, love yeah. it. Uh, so where did your dad grow up? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a smaller town in uh, Virginia called Clifton Forge. Uh, I'd say not too far from Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. South, southwest virginia mm-hmm. okay interesting very cool yeah, yeah. and you said that your mom is from minnesota minnesota yeah. nice uh <laughs> yeah, like minnesota. farm country minnesota or twin cities or a suburb yeah, uh so it's northern uh, also a smaller town uh, uh, uh thief river falls minnesota um not too far from the minnesota canada border okay yeah. mm-hmm. all right and her family is swedish yeah, uh, Swedish, uh, Irish, English, uh, mix. A, a mix, a mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Does she predominantly identify as one more than the other, or is she more mm. like, yeah, I'm Irish, or like I'm Swedish, or I'm everything, or? Um. Well, you know, um, you know, my mom. She definitely. She knows. She likes to to know where it is that that uh, her her ancestors came from. So you know, she she recognizes you know she'll always say well irish swedish german um english you know so 
I'd say, you know, because the rug practice um, comes from Sweden, and this is actually kind of new knowledge for our family, um, but because the rug practice comes from Sweden, I think, you know, there's definitely more influence there because you have kind of a tangible uh, history that you can, you know, remember and, and speak to. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think she really puts one over the other, but um, but I think we have much more Swedish um, art, you know, pieces and textiles in our house. Um, so yeah, I think when just when it comes to kind of a textile-based heritage, um, Sweden's all over. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, something that I find interesting, I so I know very little about Sweden, um, mm-hmm. but apparently the Philadelphia flag is actually based off of the Swedish flag, so really? it has the same colors as the Swedish flag. It does, yeah. Um, and it's part of the reason blue, why but... is so apparent. I mean, I and I learned. I actually learned all of this when I was thinking of um, uh, a possible like logo for making a website for mm. this podcast. All right. Um, and so yes, yeah, so Sweden was a was a fairly big naval power in mm-hmm. the late 1700s and there were a fair amount of Swedish colonies in, in North America yeah. in Pennsylvania and in Delaware mm-hmm. um and so yeah and so like some of the towns yeah like uh, like Christiana like you know it's it's that's based off of uh, right, you know, Swedish towns mm-hmm. apparently so yeah I mean I I didn't know that because yeah, yeah I mean I you know when, when when I think of the you know the big European naval and colonial powers i mean like you know i just sort of default Going, thing, right. you know great britain yeah uh you know maybe spain and portugal mm. france yeah i i feel like there's a lot of crossover yeah, for yeah, sure. you yeah. Know, battles S- sweden won. isn't usually like referenced i think mm-hmm. in the sort of the american colonial lexicon yeah. for sure and uh, in minnesota uh and in canada so and that's um this is re- literally research that i did um just last night um so the the 1867 a famine that struck Sweden uh, sent uh, many, like I think it said 1% of the of the nation at the time uh, came into Canada and Minnesota. So even, uh, and that's, you know, that's directly my how my family yeah. kind of came to be uh, in that space. Um, so yeah, yes, I know. Uh, and Lutheranism, kind of the religion that I grew up in, um, directly, you know, relating back to Sweden. So yeah, yeah, so lots of influence there. I was going to make a recommendation for more Swedish history. Visit the, uh, was it the National Museum of uh, Swedish History? I don't believe that's the correct title, but it's in South Philadelphia, not too far from the, uh, not too far from uh, all the sports realms over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah I've, mm-hmm. I've heard Swedish of Museum. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very cool. Uh, and you were raised Lutheran? Yes, I was raised Lutheran. Mm-hmm. I was raised Lutheran as well. Really? Yeah. And so what I also find super interesting is, um, so I lived... Breakthrough. <laughs> I, I lived in Southern California until I was 14. I lived in a suburb of Los Angeles called Altadena. Mm-hmm. And my dad's mother had moved from Chicago to Altadena somewhere around when I was a baby. So, so I grew up, we grew up very close by my dad's mom and my dad's stepdad. I, d- I didn't really know my dad's father. I only met him a few times. Mm. Um, and there was, so the church, so she was a Lutheran and I think she was raised Lutheran. Mm. There was a Lutheran church in our town and the last house that I lived in, in California, the church was literally around the corner from our house. Mm. And my grandmother had been a member there for years. 
Um, so I mean, so like that—that's the church huh? that we went to. I, you know, I was raised Lutheran, um, and so at, it's always interesting when I talk to people just about my religious upbringing because mm-hmm. the sort of typical or stereotypical like black baptist church with tambourines yep. and mm-hmm. and feeling the holy spirit is not what i grew up no, with no, not in the Lutheran at church, all not so much, no. like not at all and the church that i went to was it was probably like 50 50 black white 60 really? 40 okay. which like looking back on it i realized that's how yeah. like abnormal it that is, is unfortunately yeah. we were the only yeah yeah um but so so i grew up thinking that like yeah. churches were very diverse. mixed environments like very diverse and not at all and then mm-hmm. we wound up moving to northern virginia when i was in 10th grade mm. and northern virginia now has a fairly big mexican-american population in, in a couple of towns okay. um the town i was in it was like 90 percent white or 95 percent mm-hmm. white a few black folk a few asian folk um and so we went to a lutheran church there and everyone was white because yep. i mean northern virginia everyone's white anyways sure. Already, right. yeah there there was there was one other black family uh at the church um and uh, like i I went to the same high school as the kid Brian, who was in that family. That's and there just was, like our story. Yeah, yeah and there was one yep. woman who had immigrated from. She was from one of the islands, like Saint okay. Croix or Saint John, and yeah, she was mm-hmm. a Lutheran. Um, but yeah, so I really had no idea that Lutheranism was this very like, sort of like, stoic. European stoic, yes, yep. Swedish, and like you know mm-hmm. Swedish and German. Yep. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh yeah, there's everyone. Everyone yeah, does yeah, this, right? Tons of black people are Lutherans, <laughs> right, right. not not really. Mm-hmm. And my dad's side uh, is Baptist, um, so I, I think you know maybe like once twice a year uh, we get down to Clifton and um, go to the Baptist church that he grew up in. So it's definitely, I mean, you know, the contrast is there. But I, I always felt comfortable in both, um, just because you know people are so warm. So they mm-hmm. they could definitely be like, all right, she she's definitely not Baptist. Right, right, <laughs> yes, right, right. Stick yeah, yeah, they could they know. could tell. Yeah, and there right. was. There was a period mm-hmm. where I was going to some churches here in Philly. I mean, I'm I am not a I'm not an atheist. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there is a that there is a divine force that governs the universe and I do believe that there is a singularity that that you know all energy and life emanates from. Mm-hmm. Uh, literal interpretations of the Bible do not resonate with me. Okay. Same as literal interpretations of the Quran or other religious texts. Mm. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm I'm always willing to admit of like, nah, I, I could actually be 100% wrong. Mm. But I say that to say that there was a period in here in Philly where I was exploring uh, different strains of Christianity. And a lot of it was also... Um, uh, black cultural exploration mm-hmm. because where I lived in Virginia there wasn't a we were the black community yeah. um, and where I lived I lived in a, a like all black neighborhood in Southern California uh, but I went to mixed private schools most of my friends were white so okay. I really identified more with what I perceived to be white suburban culture mm-hmm. than black culture especially like black urban yeah. culture so there was a period where I was going to a uh, very quote unquote I'm doing air quotes here so don't yell at me Quite people like v- like very very black churches yeah. where it's just like you know organs and you know, yep. four-hour sermons and Catching the whole thing, and people oh, dressed yeah. in impeccable suits. Yes. And, the... yeah, and, like, people were just, like, mm-hmm. you know, moving and shaking all around yeah. me. And, like, yeah. I, it just 
for me, I'm like, ah, I, I've spent the first like 20 years of my life just sitting very quietly in church. Yeah, so I yeah. can't like, mm-hmm. even if I felt the Holy spirit, like I, I would feel to weird just to... like you know, yeah, singing yeah. out. I'm like, I, I'm not that guy. No, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely right now actually in Philadelphia. I'm trying to find a, a, a good church home for myself. Cause I, I definitely, I miss church, you know, and, and growing up Lutheran. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very specific experience and then more specific because I had, I had my family we were the only black family in the church. Um, so now, you know, I'm, I still resonate. Oh, uh, yes. Thank you. I still resonate a lot um, with, you know, with Lutheranism and, and how it is that you, uh, how it is that you worship, how it is that you sing. Uh, really, I was in the choir. Um, so oh, singing cool. for me. Yeah. Like that's kind of how I find the spirit is being able to get into a song. Um, so trying to find that again, you know, in a new, in a new city for myself, by myself, without my family, who you know, so that's, it just, for me, it just takes a while. Cause I, I really have to, you know, I kind of go one by one to each, to each, uh, each church congregation and uh, see how it goes. But I, I definitely, I really want to find a choir. I think that's like, if I can find the choir, I can find the church. Right. You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so mm-hmm. are you now, are you looking for a, like for specifically a Lutheran church in Philadelphia or just know. a church that has like the same kind of vibe? I don't know. I, I think I, I'm open to the different vibes that, that are, you know, that each, that different churches have the different cultures that, that people bring to it. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'd like to see, I, I don't know too much else other than Lutheran church and Baptist. And I think there's still so much I have to learn within those two denominations. Sure, sure. Um, but, you know, through the work I've done, you know, now I'm talking a lot about the AME churches. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, for me, it's like, you know, well, if I associate through it, through work, uh, it makes me want to explore it more for the experience. So I think, you know, I want to go to Mother Bethel AME church, gotcha. or, uh, St. Yeah. Thomas, you know, and, and mm-hmm kind of get a better feel for all these different spaces and how it is that the music sounds too. So gotcha. yeah, yeah. It's very exploratory at this point. Mm. Yeah. You, you, you will find right, yeah. you and the right church community will find yeah, each other. Yep, it, it'll yep. happen mm-hmm. at some point. Well, if uh, my grandmother has, you know, passed away several years ago, but if, if she were still in the physical realm, mm-hmm. she would literally bring you a list of every Lutheran church in Philadelphia. She used to like when she would come up to visit, Mm -hmm. she, I remember cause like she would ask me, she's like, Oh, like, are you going to church? And I, I mean, I could, I never really had the heart to tell my grandmother, like, like that's not my thing. It it would devastate her. So I I would talk around it. So I'd be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, Philly's mostly like Baptists and Catholics. Like there's not a lot of Lutheran churches here, which oh, I have no idea if that was true or not. I know she not. didn't take that. Right. So I, I remember I said that to her once and mm-hmm. then she came up again and then she, you know, and she said, Oh, have you found a church? And I went into my spiel and then she like literally pulled, pulled out, out of her list. purse, like oh, okay. a list of Lutheran churches. Grandma's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, right. uh, but find Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So right. yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, so, so your mom's from Minnesota. Yep. Your dad is originally from Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. How do they like? How do they meet? Uh, they met in North Dakota. <laughs> no, no. Was your dad there for work? Again? He was there for work. Um, yeah, he was there for work. My mom was working there. Uh, she, I think, she just finished school. She went to vocational school out in North Dakota. Um, so they met, and I believe you know it was, it was actually something of like a business uh, proposal. Uh, you know. Uh, some, and this is really a lot of the gray area, you know, and kind of in how our family works, you know, uh, you don't just go up to them and ask them. So, so how did this happen? Like, right. You know, it's like, they'll tell you when they want to tell you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, 
so yeah, so something something worked out uh, business wise, and, and they traveled the entire country. They went, um, they camped actually at different national parks, and I even think some places that weren't parks. So I don't know how that worked. Um, but this is, you know, I think they met in like the seventies, eighties, and they just went from from you know national park to national park in tents, and uh, you know just getting to know each other. I wasn't born until until they're sorry parents. I don't know if you this. TMI, but I wasn't born until they were 40 years old. Oh, um, so cool. yeah, they'd gone, yeah, they, they went all over, um, lived in St. Croix. Um, so yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of stories, um, that they have that, you know, I'm not, I'm not privy to. Um, but have you ever wondered, just sorry to interrupt. Have you ever wondered if your parents were like secretly in the CIA? Like this sounds like very right, right. CIA, <laughs> like, like they're, much. cause you know, like the, there's a lot of like, oh yeah. Like they don't want to like divulge this information. Divulge information. They and went from like, place to place. You know, yeah. They went from place to place. Right. They were living in St. Croix. They got, you know, they had yeah. kids later. Short periods um, of time in each yeah, place, yeah. you know, lived in a tent, couldn't, couldn't like, go into different buildings. They didn't want too many people to know they were there. But, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't think there were it'd be cool it'd be cool I think. okay yeah yeah watch now this is never going to be able to air yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i'm gonna we're gonna get a call we're from gonna get a call right. very soon mm-hmm. wash to this um okay so what is what is easton like yeah like demographic. i've like, literally no idea like what it oh what good it's like. um you know i always i always like to think if you were to take like a, a section of philadelphia and like throw it north um easton it's very similar i think the people are very similar um it's just not a city uh to the extent of philadelphia being a city um but very diverse so that's why i'm like you know Mm -hmm. take a take a bit of philadelphia because philadelphia is so diverse um very diverse uh predominantly white um but still you know i guess for pennsylvania that that's like diverse you know if you have like a a section of each you know (laughs) yeah like represented group yeah i mean really outside of philly and Pittsburgh, when you're talking right. like Erie, yeah, Strand, Wilshire, yeah. like you don't really get more than like ten percent of black mm-hmm. folk, you know, like exactly, yeah. And I don't think it, I don't think it's ten percent. Um, yeah. It's pretty small black population. It's right now Easton. It's like the easternmost point. If that I don't know how they came up with that, but right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, so it's right at the Jersey border <laughs> there. So it's right at the Jersey border. So you know, it's a lot of folks going back and forth. A lot of people too they live in easton so they can work in new york because uh it's like kind of like a straight shot you can go to jersey you can go to philly you can go to new york uh, so it's like a great um great area for if you're trying to jump from city to city quickly um i grew up in a in pre- predominantly i mean well we're the only black family um on the street one of two black families at least growing up that i knew in, in the entire neighborhood palmer Township. well not all of palmer township but old orchard um, within Palmer Township, actually grew up on the street that Larry Holmes once lived on. Okay. Um, so we're the, I think, the second black family because there was a big issue about him living there, uh, being a black man. Uh, so we're the second black family to live on the street. Um, yeah, yeah, only black family. So, you know, it's the suburbs. Yeah. Kind of fill in the blanks there. Right. Um, and so, what was that weird being uh, the only like? Did, I mean, did you notice it? Did your parents? talk to you about it was it you know i mean yeah you know i mean so i'm 40 you're 24 yeah you're so you're considerably younger than me yes so we're not talking about like the 60s per se early 2000s yeah um yeah Yeah. i mean so like so just on a purely racial vibe that you could perceive Mm -hmm. what was what was the feeling or or were y'all maybe just like 
a, a novelty or a curiosity because it's like oh like well you know they're, they're I'm sure we were you know I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's just a couple are. of them so it's not yeah. a threat they're yeah. not scary right right um yes yeah, so I I'm I was in Easton until 2012 so primary you know fairly recently um yeah we're you know I'm sure we were probably a bit of a novelty you know I've a big head of hair and I've always had a big head of hair so you know that's that alone it's like a head turner um, especially when you're not in a black neighborhood and people right. don't see that very often um, you know we're a biracial family my mom's white my dad's black so you know that's you know another another head turner um, but it's I mean my parents are very as you can see like just as a kind of the culture we're very unspoken for a lot of things we just kind of go go with what you know feels right and mm-hmm. you know what makes us all feel comfortable together um and making ourselves also be very presentable you know because we i guess you know we know that that we know that there's that gaze you know we know that yeah. there's a gaze so we're gonna we're gonna make sure that it's something to to remember and something to uh feel you know not comfortable and if it may you know because you know you can't always make people comfortable it's not to make folks comfortable but to um really just be ourselves and you know make make the world see us you yeah know? yeah no, that, we're yeah. just gonna do our thing we're yeah. here so you know you yeah no, it's very powerful mm-hmm. yeah make the world see you yeah um, yeah and, yeah, and I, I think that that is something that uh, on so many levels so many black people in this country are going through on just in sort of like every facet of society you know i mean it's something that i have really taken away from a lot of the youth engagement work that I've been doing for the last 10 years and the particular communities that I've been in is that I do believe that there is this undertone of I want and need people to see me mm. to like acknowledge me to, yeah. to like yeah. to to really acknowledge the the fullness of what it means for me to be a human being mm-hmm. and sometimes that comes out in ways that ultimately is not productive mm-hmm. for people like it doesn't necessarily serve them well, it's understandable why, you know, why young people engage in some of the things that they do. Yeah. But it's also yeah. like, I completely get why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. However, going down this road, it usually does not end well yeah. you know, to be aware of. And, you know, and there's always a question of what is wholesome. But I will say, you know, I, I think I had a pretty wholesome upbringing. You know, I was in soccer and softball and I was at church maybe twice a week, once for church and once for choir practice, um, you know, doing theater and when I was in school singing all the church cho- or all the school choirs, you know, so I was busy. I was always busy. Um, you wouldn't find me, you know, anywhere. And, you know, even in television, too, I never noticed it until later in life where people would tell me about, oh, you, you remember this TV show growing up? And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't think that existed. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you're making this up. Um, There's, you know, so I don't think my parents were strict because I didn't. I guess maybe they monitored what we were seeing without us even knowing it. My parents were in the CIA. Oh my yeah, God. yeah, they, they straight up were. <laughs> all, all the pieces are coming all together pieces, because, oh because no one ever really works for the CIA. Right. Like people are, they always work for the State Department right. or they're a defense contractor. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, oh, I, I do strategic consulting. Right, it's like, yeah, right. bro, you're in the CIA. Yeah, bro. that's what that is. But I mean, yeah. So uh, television, you know, was I mean, it's cartoons. You know, it wasn't anything crazy. Um, uh well um we i watched a lot of and this is this is what always gets folks because I, I liked what my parents liked too uh the music that we listened to was you know funk um kind of 50s and 60s and funk i didn't hear too much modern um thing uh beyonce once once I, it wasn't actually until like 2008 that i knew 
I knew Beyonce and then I knew Destiny's Child. Oh, Does that say a lot about? <laughs> no, well, it, yeah. it makes sense because I right. feel like like every every generation sort of or I I've at least had that because yeah. I knew about Phil Collins before I knew that there was a band called Genesis. Yeah, yeah. and then I learned oh, and then there was this kind of the backwards. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I knew about Phil Collins first because yeah, so I was a little kid in the mid '80s, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when when Phil Collins was big, like all of his videos were on MTV. Then I learned that he was in a band called Genesis, maybe when I was in middle school. And then by the time I got to high school is when I learned that there was this other dude, Peter Gabriel, who was in Genesis originally. And mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel was the same dude who had the Sledgehammer video when I was a little kid. Yeah, I mean... Or, just, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like all of that. So, um, right. or even... Um, I didn't really know who the Commodores were until college, maybe. But I, see, knew, I knew the I Commodores rich. were, like, yeah. out the, you know, straight out of elementary school. Yeah, and see, and, and my parents okay. didn't really. Yeah. My dad is just a jazz head all the okay. way, and it's like fifties and sixties bop. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Like yep. I feel like to my dad, music stopped at nineteen sixty eight. He yep. doesn't, you know, uh, if it's conventional straight ahead like Sonny Rollins mm-hmm. or. Cassandra Wilson he's into that but like a lot of the jazz rock fusion wasn't really his thing and the old-timey like big band and the Louis Armstrong and see I started getting into that in college yeah he wasn't into that either and my mom was just into pop R&B that you would expect a black woman in the mid 80s to be Mm -hmm. into so Shaka Khan Whitney Houston um, See, I didn't the Pointer have Sisters, a little bit of Whitney, but yeah, like yeah. so, but like Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, Donny mm-hmm. Hathaway, P Funk, the Ohio Players, the Commodores. Yeah. I didn't know about any of them. Like they, okay, no one in my family played that music. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely. I think I always say we had about maybe four CDs that we always played. It was uh, um, uh, uh, Pure Funk. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It was actually the soundtrack to a movie. Um, the big chill the big oh chill. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that yeah, soundtrack yeah, totally, totally yeah that um alan jackson a country singer um that was my mom she, okay, she liked sure. alan jackson uh, my dad my dad was into it too it's, they were always into you know they liked yeah. what each other liked which that's how this works so mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um what was last what was last oh gosh my sister all about the beatles and me all about michael jackson awesome like, yeah awesome. yeah so that was nice. that was the music scene um, and television, yeah, like MTV was nowhere to be seen. Um, I like, I, do, I still watch some SpongeBob. I'm not gonna lie, nice. I'm the SpongeBob generation. Nice. Just so you know, full adults out here. Hey, no, nah, it's uh, <laughs> no, nah, my uh, my my wife was watching. So there's a new version of Ducktales oh, that's yeah. out now, okay. and yeah, it comes on Disney Junior or I don't know. There's like five yeah. different Disney channels now, there and yeah, and our son isn't really old enough to understand what's on TV, so mm-hmm. she just watches it for yeah. herself. I still I yeah. enjoy cartoons. I did some. I know I know all about uh, Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Little House and uh, Sanford and Son. Uh, you can figure out who watched those uh, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. <laughs> different shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but it was cool. I really. I mean, I just I, and I still like. I really like that that generation of of you know artistry and and comedy for sure so yeah yeah so that was that was the upbringing um and then once i got out to philly gosh the whole world just opened mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um so so i so i definitely want to talk about your your family's history with art and mm-hmm. the carrying on of that uh that lineage and that legacy um before i do that i just you know i have a kind of uh 
a question that I'm always curious to explore with people. Sure. So growing up with white mother, black father, mm-hmm. was there ever any identity questions for you or was it all just normal? Like, you know, um, it was normal for us when the, it was the four of us, you know, my sister, my mom, my dad and I, and, it, and that was pretty common. We were, we were together, you know, definitely more of the day than, than, uh, than not. Um, I think, you know, around high school time, um, middle school things here and there, but it's really once you get those outside influences, those mm-hmm. students around you that are looking at you like, what are you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and then they see your mom come pick you up. I remember one story that always sticks in my mind, um, had to be, I was in just probably late elementary school, early middle school. And I was, uh, my mom was picking me up from a softball game and her and I were walking down the street and this little white boy runs up to us and he just points at me and he says, is she adopted? Mm-hmm. And like looking at my yeah. mom pointing at yeah. me, not even like, sure. you know, yeah, looking not at me. You. And, and that, and I was, I remember I was just like, I was like, now why would he ask that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that was probably one of the early moments. I'm like, Oh, I guess yeah, like, I don't look like my mom. Um, so I think that had to be like one of the first, one of the earliest memories that I have of like, okay, like this is, you know, clearly people are looking at me and there's a reason why. Um, and like, you know, and still to this day, I always love, you know, my mom and I walk up into, it's like, sounds like a, like a joke. My mom and I walk into a bar. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's like people look at me, look at her, look back at me, look back at her. It's like, so I'm like, <laughs> eyes over here. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely, it was just an unspoken thing. And, and going up and seeing my family on my mother's side, we go up to Minnesota about every, every other summer, you know, see my mom's side of the family, my sister and I would go. Um, and I got to get back up there too. I miss, miss you all, by the way, if you ever hear this. Um, so, you know, we'd go and, uh, there was, you know, there was definitely, there's, there was always looks, but I think I've had the privilege of being just around, um, folks, you know, my mother's side, my father's side that no one's really rude. Mm-hmm. Um, no one would say things, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, whether that's good or bad, cause I think now at this day, I'm also very quiet about it. Uh, I've always wanted to explore it. That's kind of what led into my degree in African-American studies, um, because I've always been fascinated kind of, I guess, by this gaze, um, that that you know being biracial being black you know like i don't walk out you know i walk outside and people clearly say you know there well there's something in the mix but mm-hmm. um but you know no one's like oh this is a white woman right like you know yeah <laughs> so, yeah like I'm, I'm a black woman you know mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's no question about it um and with did your parents well one where were there I'm guessing no, because you sort of talked about how, like, you know, your parents seem to sort of just, like, you know, they they reveal things whenever they reveal them. Yeah, or they wait for you to reveal it to them, you know, and then they'll say some very uh, vague statement that helps you understand Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. You know, it's like, here's wisdom. Sure, sure. Yeah, Yeah. so, Mm -hmm. I mean, so so were you, were there conversations about, like, you are black or, you know, you're a per like, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're just Hannah and your sister's your sister. I mean, like, like what, what, were there any overt conversations, conversations. about like either navigating your racial identity or, or mm-hmm. even, um, you know, the thing that a lot of people who have parents of, of different racial backgrounds, you know, were you know, very much like one drop rule of yeah. no matter what you're black because police officers, bankers, there was no, no, none of that. Like, so mm-hmm. someone, someone's going to say you're black. So you might as yeah. well just accept it. Like I there mean, wasn't really any of that. Palmer Township, you know, I'm a very light skinned black woman. So, sure. you know, police was not 
the, my parents first first thought. Sure. I think it was more so boys. Yeah, you know, gotcha, like that. Gotcha. I was like, all right, all right, how are we gonna do this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think you know it'd really be I, I, if I came with questions every now and then. I'd have a question, I'd be like, hey ma, I got this paper. I gotta fill out. You know, I gotta make a check mark box. Right, and right, I'm like, yeah. I don't want the government to like take you away from me mm-hmm. if I check this wrong. Um, so you know, and and actually the first yeah for the first while, um, my parents always told me to say that I was mixed. Um, you know, just, oh, just say you're mixed. Just say, it was kind of like a, let's just have an answer. Like, mm-hmm. just, you know, deal with it. Because, um, you know, I think that was there. And actually, to this day, now now I, I actually kind of criticize, you know, I'm not criticizing them. I think they didn't, they, they were confused too, you know. Sure, you're yeah. asking two people that have had a easy check box, you yeah. know, have to kind of make up something mm-hmm. new for their own mm-hmm. child um, without, you know, traumatizing them. <laughs> right, yeah. So... It was kind of like a, you know, well, like, you know, you know your dad, you know your mom, you know what's going on here. So, you know, you're mixed. Um, so I said mixed, mixed, mixed for a while. Um, I didn't I didn't say black. I didn't say black. Um, I'd say, well, yeah, my dad's black. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's like looking at myself. I'm like, well, but there's my mom, you know. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. So I, I think I just want to be very literal. I didn't really. Right. And that's. But now, you know, and that's when I came to understand once I did claim African-American studies, that was when um, I made sense of it. I was like, oh, I'm claiming the middle with no community. <laughs> like, You know, mm-hmm. you get no community unless unless, you know, you join like the mixed community. And right. Like, yeah. Let's look at the Haitian Revolution, y'all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like mm-hmm. people do that in the past. And you understand, you know, what colorism is through those sorts of conversations. Right. There was none. No conversations of colorism, um, you know. But and I mean, that's. And it's that's just kind of how how he rolls. Like you know, you you figure it out and and like be be correct. You know, be kind to people. Be nice. Be right. be you know forthright. You know, um, just just don't be rude. Sure, <laughs> sure. Know? So yeah. So yeah. So I mean, and that's why I, I went into the studies that I went into, um, which I think for many folks it's always a kind of an internal question that you have of yourself uh, when you get into African American studies. Um, and then it, yeah, it answered a lot of questions. And then that's when I, I think when I went back to my parents after first year in, man, I had some, some thoughts, I had some theories and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you're always growing. I think me, when I look back at myself right after I got into African-American studies, I was saying some stupid things. I was like, cause I mean, the, cause then this is where you're having these, these conversations about, you know, the future of humanity, mm-hmm. you get, you know, existential life and, um, so I was like, you know, and a lot of folks are like, oh, well, you know, you can't, you ain't supposed to have biracial babies. Like I had plenty, plenty of, you know, professors and friends, you know, people that are like, hey, you know, we're about supporting a black nationalist nation. I'm like, I'm like, and I, I understand. I'm like, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but hell yeah, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to go back home. Um, and, and. So, and, you know, and I still, to this day, I think this is, you know, my sister, she's off studying neurobiology. She doesn't bring all, all that home and try to explain it to us because she knows that we're probably not going to get it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I kind of do the same. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll have, I, I have conversations with my dad a lot more. I'm um, just kind of getting to know him because he was in Jim Crow South, the first, mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. um, black little league player on his team. Wow. Couldn't go yeah. out and get ice cream afterwards. And yeah. Won a game, yeah. That's you deep. Know, that's deep. Still separate water fountains, all that. He has all those stories. Um, so it's, it was definitely, it was, I mean, it's opened a door, um, for a lot of conversations that I don't think I was ready to have, you know, when I was young anyway. So, so I'm glad they're happening when they are. Um, and I mean, to this day, I'm, you know, I'm not claiming tragic mulatto ever. <laughs> I find it such a, a funny, uh, I, I, it's like, I get it. Like I yeah, get it, but yeah. I, I, I do find it funny. I, you know, why, why live your life tragic? Um, 
Yeah, it's it's it it's is. not empowering. It's not empowering. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim tragedy. Yeah, um, and, and and there's there's a difference between acknowledging pain that is unique to the individual because mm-hmm. every every person has pain. Everyone, right? Everyone, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the children of billionaires mm-hmm. have pain, and when you lose people. When you wonder, like, who you are in the world, yep. when you wonder about, like, are you worthy of the legacy that other people in your community, however you define that, mm-hmm. if you wonder if you're worthy of that, that's painful. Yeah. Um, there's a context behind everything. Behind you know, everything. Yeah, yeah. Naomi and I talk about the whole thing of money truly doesn't buy happiness. It does buy comfort, though, mm-hmm. and... If I'm going to be miserable, I'd rather be miserable and rich. Because right? yeah, it's like, well, at least I can just like yeah. go and wild out and like go to the movies every day yeah. and try to figure out my life than like, Eat oh, well, I'm food. super depressed. Yeah. And if I literally buy a glass of water, I might not be able to pay my mortgage or right. something. Yeah. That's like, that's super, super. That's tragedy. That's like, like real tragedy yeah. right there. But so yeah, don't, I mean, don't but tell it, me it, it's nothing about your skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and. Mm. But yeah, I mean, but to, to view you, oneself as a tragic figure right. is something that I would recommend people not do not because to. you just, no. you, you, it's, you can't build a powerful yeah. narrative around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look now, if we're going to look systemically at tragedy, then yes, like, yeah, we can understand, you know, what, what tragedy truly means and, you know, when you can, atta- you know, you can attach skin color to uh, not being able to to have a glass of water and also yeah pay, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like, let's go about it that way but I, I think doing it on an individual basis especially when you know it's like because it, nothing more than um, trying to make sense of you know well I guess I, I you know I almost want to I, I like to leave this is where I'm always like are you being rude I'm like because I like I, I do like to leave people's um, understandings of their of how it is that they're growing in this world um to themselves so i I don't know i never want to say well don't don't be tragic um don't don't be tragic i think it's just you know as a as a friend i'm like don't 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 be tragic but um but if you if you do feel like that's fitting the bill right now um, i do wish wish the best for you and Mm -hmm. you can always talk to me (laughs) yeah 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 and Mm -hmm. i and i i try to operate from a, a space of just speaking to people about well when i when i went down that route this is how it turned out for me. Yeah. It may turn out yeah. totally different for you. Like, right. It, it, it exactly. And that's may, why I guess I didn't, yeah. I don't want to go down that whole, that rabbit hole of being like, well, none of y'all can be tragic. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, cause I'm not, uh, you right. know, that's not, that's, that doesn't make sense. That, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I, I, I feel like I've been, I've been blessed to, to just be around, you know, I get, I get, you know, you get the outside influences from mm-hmm. near nearly strangers but for anyone that's been really close to me in my life um you know not just immediate family beyond immediate family family friends um i think you know that's just uh, you know attesting to my parents being really wholesome people where i haven't i haven't i didn't have to you know moments of you know having to like you know very dramatic moments of like this is who i am mm-hmm, you don't know mm-hmm. and like no no there was there was very just being very, you know, very quiet and understanding and, and more so getting to know people one by one. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I do think that there is, um, at least I, I found it's more empowering for me of the, um, of the sort of like gradual understanding mm-hmm. of who you are individually and how you connect with a larger community of humans, you know, um, and, what those communities are i i found that the the sort of yeah like the gradual reveal 
to me feels more more authentic for me than like the bold declaration um you know and and i've i've encamped you know i've gone through this on some level just with my own cultural exploration um that you know i i talked about earlier where you know so both of my parents are black you know i mean Mm -hmm. so there was never any confusion about like you know i like i knew i was black um but then there was some other deeper confusion because my, the the only grandparents I know knew were very light skinned. So my mm-hmm. like my dad's mom I think could pass for white mm-hmm. honestly, and her second husband was a was a r- very light skinned black man. I mean he had an afro, so like you could tell that like you know he was black. But like when I was a little kid, I thought they were white honestly. Mm-hmm. Like and I've um, you know I I say this literally on every episode that I record, but you know yeah, people yeah. don't know my story. So right. I mean when I was seven or eight years old, I asked my grandparents why they were white and mm-hmm. they started laughing. They said, Oh no, we're, we're just light skinned. Yeah. I didn't really get it. Like get I, straight up, yeah. I thought my grandma was white until I was 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's, that's just how, how light she was. Yeah. And the schools that I went to, they're predominantly white schools in California. There was a substantial black population for the, the town, you know, the town I lived in had a black section essentially, which is where we lived. Yeah. Um, and like, there were a lot of black kids at my school, but I, um, just, I don't know if it was just how my, my life just shook out or like media images, but like, I just, I didn't necessarily feel the like connection to yeah. them, especially when people were engaging in, cultural vernacular or fashion that was what Carrie Washington calls like demonstrably black. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, I liked rap, but there was, there was a, like, you know, the way that I speak now is like how my dad raised me to Mm -hmm. speak. So, so when people were engaging in, you know, in other, uh, you know, colloquialisms, it's like, that didn't necessarily like feel authentic. So for me coming to Philly, it was like my, my world ripped open. Also, Philly was the first time that I saw working class or poor black folk because mm. I, I only knew black suburbanites who were the product of white collar professionals. You know, yep. everyone like my parents went to college. My brothers went to college, yeah, like yeah. all the black kids I knew. I had to, to shut college. down the college conversation like for seeing high schoolers, you know, because that's literally when I was in high school, everyone's like, oh, where are you going to college? So, I, you know, that becomes just like a regular conversation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the I had default. to shut that down because, you know, you get here and everyone's like, well, not everyone has to go to college. Yeah. So, you know, you're over yeah. here perpetuating this idea that, you know, so I'm Absolutely. like, oh, well, thank you, Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, I'd, that's it's really, it's very cultural uh, for sure. It's very cultural. And, and I, I was going to say, just uh, going back to kind of how it is that I feel like everyone on purpose, like everyone in their life is thrown all these like uh, racial like wild cards. And I think it's just to attest to how flimsy the the whole construction of race is mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like you know it's like we, we we keep living these these experiences generations and generations just to like remind everyone mm-hmm. that there's yeah. never been you know a, a true idea of race did you know that um uh the word that america is oh gosh why am i i'm losing it but if you switch up the letters in america um, it spells out I am race. Mm, interesting. Yeah. interesting. What does that that, yeah. that makes it? Um, there's a there's a there's a word. For yeah. What those words are. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember they they mentioned they uh, they mentioned what that word is called like on this oh, on goodness. an episode of The Simpsons. Really? Um, yeah, okay. yeah. Like Lisa goes to like this or Bart goes to like mm-hmm. this like super brainiac school and then like yeah the kid like rearranges like yep. words and it's like that's called a whatever right right yeah so that i mean i just find it fascinating you know i am race and that's america you know because and you know it's in the foundation mm-hmm. of, of kind of who we think we are right you know so mm-hmm. i know that's right i know that's right so that 
makes total sense whenever everyone's like well yeah but then i know these people and they they completely like dash that whole idea to the ground i'm like yeah that that's going to keep happening forever right. yeah. you know until we finally get beyond this this you know very uh, i don't know i don't want to call it dumb but <laughs> you know i mean i, I raise yeah. I, I you know it's under i guess it's understandable it's, but yeah but it makes no sense at the same time it's constructed reality right so. yes yeah v very much so and yeah. and i think that one of the things that um uh the way i look at it is that culture is real yes and cultural differences are real and mm -hmm. a lot of it is geographic and religious and just sort of like experiences with a particular event and you know and i think that the you know the the country of origin factor or like the melanin factor like it can't be discounted because like because all, all of these things factor into who we believe ourselves to be yeah. and they're signifiers of things and many times they are they they are indicative in a shorthand for like common lived experiences mm -hmm. so so like so, so yeah the, yeah actually so, I, I i like that yeah i like that approach too is that i mean yeah 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 race even that whole idea of race at this point is it's shared through a common lived experience of it existing right <laughs> so, right yeah. yeah and 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 what i you know find super interesting and like the the way that i am really trying to live my life is you know is to really like sort of like pin down like okay so when you're talking about so just talking about black people generally mm. it's like so when you're talking about black people are you talking about all human beings that have a certain amount of complexion and melanin mm. are you talking about folks in the united states are you talking about like folks in canada right. because Brazil, yeah i mean black? yeah because i, I mean yeah. you know clearly obviously you know i've i've met tons of black folk just in like the north central philadelphia neighborhood mm -hmm. who pretty much you know are relatively within the, like the same economic and social sphere and like same type of vocation and sort of like same like educational background and there's so much diversity just within oh, that yeah so not even talking about like black folk in germantown versus black folk mm -hmm. in point breeze i know that's right i say yeah. that to, to when I, I sometimes i'll be giving tours at the african-american museum i mean and and you know a lot of folks come from out of town and i'm like well if you go up to germantown mm -hmm. things are like this and you know it's because they they're like well philly it's, it's like a city it's very city and yeah. i'm like well you know there's the suburbs like mm -hmm. all around philadelphia too um so and the history there is you know different therefore the people there are different yeah. and um if you go to was it Bartram's Garden has one of the largest free black societies mm -hmm. dating back to yep. the, like the 1690s, yeah. 1700s or so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, I mean, every, every person that you meet is a, is a, and that's, that's where I go off into my existential. Sure. Yeah. 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 We are all universes within ourselves. Yes. Right? Yeah. Very much so. Very yeah, much right. so. Yeah. And, um, and Naomi's mm -hmm. mom's side of the family is from St. Croix. I mean, oh. and like, you know, and all, you know, all, all of my people are from the South. Mm -hmm. So like I, even now, you know, um, you know, uh, so I have a friend, Alan, whose family is from Haiti and then a friend, Michael, who's like mom's side of the family. Yeah, they're from one of the islands. Actually, okay. like they, they, they uh, some of them are from St. Croix and we mm. joke that he and Naomi might be cousins because like the more that like they, they like they share stories. It's like I have an uncle that does that, too. So we yeah, think they actually yeah. legit might be cousins. But but there was like one day when when Alan and Michael were over at our house and 
and Naomi had made something. It was a very like very Caribbean dish mm. that I, you know I literally never had until we were married. Cool. And and I remember like you know we said like oh Alan you know do you want some whatever this is and he's like I'm Haitian of course I do. <laughs> and then we asked Michael we're like do you want this he's like he's like yeah I'm Caribbean of course I'm like right. I don't know uh-huh. like yeah, yeah I know like Southern food right right, right, and, right. where are the greens at yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, so I so I want to talk, uh, yeah, you know, a bit about the 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 work. So so your your sort of artistic lineage, mm-hmm. uh, which I find super interesting. Thank you. So yeah. so what so what what exactly is it that like your family has done for generations? Yeah, uh, rug weaving. Uh, specifically, they're called rag rugs. Um, so uh, we've had looms. Looms are a big big wooden machine. Um, that you, you know, it's, it's all handmade, you know, you're working on the, on the loom. Um, uh, so you take what's called warp, uh, it's really made out of really anything you can, you know, you can take, we've done plastic bags, twine, um, you know, t-shirts, many t-shirts, curtains, rag rugs. It's always things that were made up that were made from other materials. Um, you cut them into pieces. Uh, blue jeans is our most common. Uh, you cut them into pieces. So so there are blue jeans that are made out of rag rugs oh no uh rag rugs that are made out of blue jeans right 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 yeah right. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. that's that's what i meant oh, okay that's what, yeah rag yeah, rugs yeah. that are made out of blue jeans mm-hmm. so you cut yeah so you cut into strips uh you sew all those different strips together it's very tedious you sew all the strips together uh you wind them onto um what's called a shuttle and the shuttle is what goes through the loom so you take it left right left right uh you use the pedals to then you know lock everything in each time you go through you have to press a pedal that way it's locked um we have a, what's called a two harness loom, uh, meaning that's two foot pedals. Um, so yeah, so you do, you know, it's, a, it's very meditative. You do the same actions over and over and over again. Um, we don't do designs. Uh, uh, that's just kind of, you know, how we've been rolling. Um, we, we like to just take the materials um, and, and go with it. I think I always say, you know, we don't do designs because the purpose of these rugs is to be, you know, stepped on and, right. and yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're very sturdy. I, you know, most of the rugs that I'm, that I use, uh, I didn't make. It's the ones that like my mom made. Um, I don't use the ones that my grandma made cause I want to preserve them. Um, but they are older than I am, you know? So yeah. So you make these, these rugs, they can go as long as you'd like. I always say the red carpet esque. they can go as long as you'd like. Um, but they're, the width is always two, two feet width because that's just the way we've always done it. Um, two feet width really because if you have a doorway, um, then the door can go over them, you know? So, so yeah, yeah, they're, they're very, um, I just, the process of making them, it's, it's really nice. I like it. Um, we've collected my mom, my grandma have collected so much material, uh, for over the years, over the years. So, you know, um, there's no, there, I'll be using their material probably for the rest of my life and beyond me. Um, I skipped, I didn't even say it, but, uh, I, yeah, so I'm fifth generation. So it started and, and it could go back further. That's just as far back as we know. Um, so my great, great, great grandmother whose name was also hannah um uh, migrated from sweden to the united states um she was born around 1850 um and i believe that she came to uh, it's pretty pretty common knowledge you know those uh swedes that emigrated to the united states in uh, the 1860s 1870s came here because there was a great famine uh the great swedish famine of 1867 uh and they said most most swedish 
uh, folks came and landed in Canada and Minnesota, which is exactly where my family, you gotcha. know. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, if, if that's not the mm-hmm. reason, that's yeah. very specific. Yeah. <laughs> then, it it um, seems very likely. It seems that, quite yeah. likely that, yeah, that that's the reason why. Uh, so, yeah, so she passed down um, the the weaving practice and her, her loom to her son, um, John O. Johnson. And then uh, he passed it down uh, to... Um, well, my grandfather knew it, uh, Norman Johnson, and he taught my grandmother, um, Mary Johnson, um, and then my mo- my grandmother taught my mother, and then my mother taught me. So there's been different looms. We don't use uh, the same loom, you know, because they're they're made out of wood. So mm-hmm. you can imagine uh, wood from 1850. Yeah. <laughs> it's not usable. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. So so the practice itself, it's just always been. It's usually in the basement or in the in the garage. You know, you have a we call it the rug room. It's just tons of material just everywhere. Um, this loom, it's 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 quite messy. Um, and I always say we have to start using face masks because we can get so much like dust particles. If we want to use like velvet, velvet gets all up in the air if you cut it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you you know. So I'm still learning. I'm still an apprentice. My mom is um, teaching me. Uh, so I know how to make make a rug uh, from start to finish. Um, but I can't set the loom up yet. So I think once I can set the loom myself, then it'll be, I'll be, you know, officially a, a loom weaver. Um, the loom, you know, has hundreds and hundreds of, of strings that are attached by hand. Um, so, you know, I know where they go, but, you know, that's just haven't, I haven't had the time <laughs> or energy um, to to go one by one. I've watched my mom do, and she's getting pretty pretty fast at it. She says my grandma was even faster than she was, uh, so it's it's something to 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 admire. You know, I, I really I do want to learn. I like I like how it feels. You know, you just put on I just put on some music um, and get down there and, and you know pick out different colors and it's all completely random. So if you pick out a, a, a material that once had a pattern in it and then you cut it up you know, into strips, it'll create a new pattern because mm-hmm. if, if yeah. it originally had a pattern, even if you're always cutting it into even strips, so it'll be a new pattern, very, you know, jagged pattern, but it'll be, you know, typically with, with some design uh, element to it, even though it's not on purpose. So yeah, yeah, I can, I can keep going. Now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm digging this. Yeah. This, this is a, this is a very, when, when you had first mentioned this to me, I was like, oh wow. Like, yeah, that this is something that, it is not a part it's not on any of my radars because yeah yeah, yeah loom, and loom weaving um definitely not not down in philadelphia um but it's actually a lot more common um up in minnesota i've, I've seen you know uh, the closest you can get to finding a, a rug that a rag rug here in philly is if you go to five below or walmart you can see um and i always i always do say that ours are definitely more sturdy but you know it's five below you're not gonna find something right like yeah <laughs> yeah um they're not known for their deep artisanal right right you materials. know they're, they're trying to get you to come back and buy another yeah um yeah so so yeah you can find more more uh rag rugs up in minnesota there's definitely more looms uh, my grandfather's loom john o johnson his loom is at um this place called pioneer village in minnesota um that every i think every year or maybe twice a year they open up and it's a it's a village that looks like you know what it would have looked like for the early early pioneers mm-hmm. you know so which i know think about you know the history and who i am now as a black woman whereas you know having a, a pioneer village you know really colonialism mm-hmm. being heralded yeah, yeah you know so yeah i mean that's that's the, the complexities of life um yeah very very much so, so. i mean yeah. and, and and one of the things that you know i really 
want to explore in this podcast is really how those complexities of life influence who we are today Mm. because they're you know those complexities i think are present for everyone on some level even if it's a thing of oh yeah like i really love my big brother or my big sister but like they were like a raging alcoholic or like a massive Mm -hmm. homophobe or like you know like there's things like that that live within our family where it's like you can't completely discount that person and you can't no, not no. acknowledge mm-hmm. their humanity and part of human humanity is not always pretty many right. times humanity is very ugly and unproductive mm-hmm. but it it unproductive yeah and it, it, <laughs> yeah. it but it's it's a part of really who we are and right. i think that it is at least for me it is especially um salient and many times on my mind just because for my quote-unquote black experience in america since so much of my childhood was really formed in white suburbia and with those influences that are still very deep to me to this very day you know where like you know you were talking about your sisters and loving the beatles like the beatles that Mm -hmm. i still think the beatles are one of the greatest artistic (laughs) groups ever and even when you were talking about the the new patterns that come about through this weaving, it reminds mm-hmm. me of just like, you know, um, a particular oh. thing that like one of the Beatles producers did. Yeah. Where it's, it's like, oh, like, I'm like, this reminds me of the Beatles of, of mm-hmm. like, you know, sort of deconstructing and reconstructing. It's things. totally a metaphor. And that's also why, why I love the work, you know, making these rugs is, is such a metaphor. You know, it's like, as we pass down this practice from whomever to whomever in our family, you know, I, I don't think, you know, they didn't, my great, great, great grandmother probably would never, one wouldn't expect, you know, me mm-hmm. to be, yes. to be making these drugs yeah. and also just to have someone, you know, so many generations down, right. you know, in this practice. Um, so you never know what you're going to pass on to, to your, you know, to generations ahead of you. Um, and that's why I, I value it. One, you know, it's so, it's a random, it's a randomized order. It's like, you're making, mm-hmm. you're making something out of, something you know extremely random it's like someone's clothes that who knows where they came from some thrift store um and then you're cutting them up and then making them more random but then you're then creating this structure that always looks the same um the rugs are always you know like you always have the 40 40 warp and then we we like to put in these two bands of uh of color um so it's like we it, it always looks very similar um, as random as it is it always looks very similar um, and it's and it's handmade and, and it has a use, you know, and you're you're recycling, you know, you're taking things that a lot of folks like will take a, a tablecloth that'll have a stain on it. No one will use that again. Yeah. yeah. What's going to end up, what's going to happen to it. But if you turn it into a rug, if you cut them up, that stain disappears. Once you see like little specks of the stain, you know, mm-hmm. in, in all different mm-hmm. parts, which then makes it beautiful. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just feels wholesome as you're as you're making it feels wholesome. And then. Uh, people, you know, like they like them. They say, "Well, it has good use." You know, I always recommend put it by your sink because mm-hmm. you know places where there's heavy traffic, you're gonna be standing there often. Uh, if you get water on it, you can throw it in the washing yeah. machine. Like it's like there's it has use and it, it brings comfort, um, and it feels good. That I'm like I made that. <laughs> yeah. So so, so uh, there's a couple things that I'm wondering. So so one is this practice. Is it like at least in your family or at least from your mom? Like, what's the feeling? 
behind when you're learning how to do it? Is it like, mm -hmm. this is just a cool thing that we do and it has a utilitarian purpose and it's aesthetically pleasing? Is it like, this is this very sacred thing mm -hmm. from, you know, from the mother country, from the old country? Or is it sort of like somewhere in between for, so like, cause like I kind of feel like, so like for my dad, listening to jazz is a, a spiritual and a cultural experience mm -hmm. um but like if i was like making fun of miles davis like he wouldn't be like stop denigrating like the black community right. like you know um i mean he like, yeah that's still yeah. also very you know just common yeah you know, also like yeah. yeah so yeah i mean so right. like like what's the like what's the approach yeah like okay. like what's the approach and mm -hmm. the and, and the and the vibe because I, i'm also interested in just Something I find very interesting is that I think that there is a particular section of Americans who, if anything is, if any practice is from a country outside of the United States, it automatically takes on this like deep, mm. like powerful, <laughs> deep spiritual. Because right. we can't have that here. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, <laughs> right. maybe or maybe yeah. like no, like maybe they're just like mm. people who just like like to rock out to music. Like right, right. it's it's like because. Yeah. There is religious music in America and like, mm -hmm. and there are people who in America can literally listen to anything. Yeah. I know some people who have like religious experiences listening to show tunes. Mm -hmm. So like, <laughs> si since it's so, right. since you're in it in America, you don't notice it. And I think yeah. that there is like this thing of like projecting some deeper meaning. Onto because stuff it that, comes from somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, and that too, I mean, it's, it's a Swedish practice, but loom weaving itself. Um, I, you know, I did a little history and you can date it back. 400,000 years ago in Egypt, you know, mm -hmm. so as yeah. much as it is Swedish, you find loom weaving in China, you find it in India, you know, you find it all over the world. So it's something that it, it belongs to, it belongs to the world. Um, just, you know, in how my family um, was able to pass it down was through, you know, it, it at one point was in Sweden, but I actually, I, like I told you, I, I said, I can go back five generations beyond that. No idea. Right. Um, at least not yet. I still have to take more tests you know nowadays it's like well here for 29.99 you can <laughs> mm -hmm. find out <laughs> right who you are um but yeah yeah so how it was uh brought to me by my mother it's actually the story of how i got into it i started weaving um when i got to temple university um so i've seen my mom on the loom you know all these years i accidentally broke the loom at one point because you know i'm just being rambunctious right, and yeah. like running around the house well and, um, and uh, so, so, sidebar before we, yeah. we go into that as a kid um were were there really any uh like artistic endeavors that you did um you know like aside from just like drawing stick figures which like every kid does i mean like where you like did i mean so you had mentioned that you like you you sang in choir yeah, right yeah. um what was there any type of uh like visual art visual that art. you were like kind of that i actually you know put more time into i mean i always was a doodler i still am um but let's see um you know through i was a girl scout so okay. you know i was a girl scout so that right so i definitely always my time was always taken up uh girl scouts it's like you get a taste of a lot of things. I, I did some latch hook. Um, I actually, you know, I, I'm definitely not as a textile person, you know, I'm so glad that my mother's teaching me because I'm not really one to commit. <laughs> you know, I'd start a latch hook project and latch hook is pretty, you know, pretty simple. You know, you have to go from one end to the other. Um, it's not, it's not like ongoing and ongoing. Um, but I could, I would not finish. Knitting was not for me. My grandmother made uh, quilts, uh, hardunger, you can look up what that is, hardunger, um, latch hook, like everything. Um, but I was really not, nothing, nothing took me, 
um, made me want to stay. Um, I did violin for a little while. Um, my sister played viola and she played it very beautifully. So I was like, let me not be the <laughs> right, yeah, you... second seat in this, uh, in this orchestra. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm trying to remember really singing. Singing was, was everything I did when I was in high school. I did musicals every single year. Um, and I actually was more, I was like, you know, musicals and sports like that for, to me just made so much sense. Um, I loved softball. I, I really miss softball. I need to find a softball team. Like this yeah, they, yeah. I, I imagine that there yeah. might be a softball I need to. I need team to. somewhere in, yeah. in Philly. Um, so at least in 2010, I spent, uh, several weeks in Washington, D.C. Because I, I went to Villanova for a year and studied mm. political science. Um, and then we there was like this big trip that you could take to D.C. And you got to meet like we met Bob Casey and Joe Sestak. And like, mm. you know, we got to meet um, uh, people who worked on the Supreme Court. But awesome. it, but, but the You're playing I, it down so much. You're like, yeah, yeah, well, you know. um, <laughs> That we so we we met someone who was Clarence Thomas's law clerk on the Supreme oh. Court. So you know, like I don't want people the, for the five people listening to this. I don't no, want to be like this think is a big deal. I'm, you know, this is a walking advertisement for Clarence Thomas. All five yeah. of us. Yeah, uh, yeah, but the, yeah, the, the guy sure that was his law clerk was like mm-hmm. you know super smart guy. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I mentioned that is that like it seemed that like everywhere I went around D.C., people were just playing softball. Like it just mm. it seemed like the thing. Like there were just like. And it was like organized because they had like team shirts. So yep. I feel like there's a lot of softball leagues in DC. Yeah. I haven't, I have not seen that many in in Philly. You know, it's not I, too many fields. Around, yeah, at least th- there's a lot of like ultimate frisbee that is played over yeah. by like Fairmount Park mm-hmm. by like Smith Playground. I need to hit and, things though. I need to hit uh, dodgeball. Yeah, like okay. the, there's several dodgeball leagues in people. the Fairmount area, but mm-hmm. softball. I, so I don't know. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll find it. But yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, when it came so, to so art, yeah, so I was so. Folks, if you're listening, find Hannah uh, please. A, a church and a softball team yes. to be a part of. Yes, please. <laughs> if, now, if it was like a church with a softball with league, a, would that be super awesome? That or would, or would it just be too much like you would want it separate? I was right. I just all my life is, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind at least, you know, that way I can just go there for different reasons. Right. I mean, okay. Yeah. Gosh, that'd be like my new life family yeah yeah all <laughs> yeah. right yeah and then i'll just move next door and yeah yeah it could it could work i don't know Come so, the pastor. Yeah. maybe maybe it's out there <laughs> right all right so so you were so you were you were into softball as, yeah. a, as a kid were, were there any other sports that you soccer. were super all right yep. soccer mm-hmm. cool and like i mean uh as, as a soccer player uh you know as someone you know in into soccer is david beckham worth all the hype or is <laughs> or is he like the uh i don't know so in the world of basketball, a lot of people say that Julius Irving mm-hmm. is not as great a player as many people say, but like mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was definitely a very good player and definitely worthy of the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But he was very, sh- you know, the showmanship mm-hmm. attracted people as much as the basketball acumen. Is it the same way with Beckham? I don't know anything about soccer. Um, I just know he's like say. super handsome and he, <laughs> well, there's that you know, yeah, and yeah. he is or was married to Posh Spice or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not so much in the in the in the world of of uh, you know who who's who's with who in right. the celebrity okay, realm yeah. of sports. Um, I mean, I know. Look, this is coming from someone who played soccer, you know, from elementary school into high school. So, right, yeah. so I'm sure he's a fantastic player okay. because he's so well known. Um, and played on fields that you know i could only dream of gotcha. um so yeah 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 
go David Beckham. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I'll, cool. give, I'll give him the hype. Yeah. For nice, sure. nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but but really the 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 main the main uh, sports. Yeah. So all right. So softball and soccer, and mm-hmm. then you were you were doing choir, choir as a kid, Girl Scouts, Girl Scouts. Church, so you, yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, if if uh if my washing machine breaks down, you can like fix it with uh your flashlight and oh. uh, and and a lot of moral integrity. I was gonna make some joke about you know me as a woman knowing how to fix a washing machine because I'm here to clean. No, no, gotcha, okay. gotcha. See, yeah, was, no, 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 you, yeah, no, to- to- yeah, totally yeah. make it, totally make okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that is listening. Uh, if I am un- unintentionally perpetuating the patriarchy through this podcast, feel free to dismantle it. I need to fix your washing machine? Nah, I'm going to fix the car. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm, we yeah, do you can, you can fix my carburetor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you know how to... Mainly, I came up with the washing machine because we're recording this in my basement. It is. And the, the, wa- the washing machine is we're the closest appliance close by. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to start a fight. No, nah, no. Nah, hey, some, sometimes uh, I, a fight needs to be started mm-hmm. with me, you know. Uh, not a problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you said you did musicals yeah. in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, like what were some of like the the ones that you really loved that you uh, did? So I was in four. Um, I did a little bit of musicals before. I, well, if we want to start middle school, um, I did Wicked, Schoolhouse Rock. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, West Side Story. Awesome. I was a shark. Yeah, nice. Of course. It was weird though. And my sister was Jet. Oh man, that was. Like, did. Was that done yeah. intentionally? I think, yeah, I think it was like one of, you know, one of those, like, we can't put all the brown people on right, the brown yeah. side because that's yeah. a problem. But then I get into high school and we do ragtime and that ragtime and that's exactly what they do. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so, so like, uh, yeah. and I've only read the book mm-hmm. of, of ragtime, but basically, ragtime. I mean, like, did, did you have a, were there enough black and brown or tan people <laughs> in your school to like fill out the cast? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, and they really, yeah, I mean, gosh, if you had like. It was the one drop rule, like, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, crack. It was terrible. It was good. No, it was wonderful. My gosh, I love Ragtime, and I guess I I understand it's probably a hard call for the directors. They're like, um, how are we gonna put um Harlem together? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, so yeah, so it was really everyone knows black brown or at least i know there's one white woman that everyone thought that she wasn't white so she was right, a part of harlem yeah. too mm-hmm. so I'm, yeah it's just funny i mean now i'm like years later studying like colorism and all that i'm like wow yeah <laughs> this could have been a study yeah um yeah i did ragtime 42nd street hairspray uh damn yankees those were the four when i was in high school really so, mm-hmm. awesome awesome um yeah. yeah i did so i don't know if i like ever told you this but so um my background is actually in theater. You, did, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't really do musicals in high school because I can't, I can't really sing to, to save my life. I was, I was a chorus member in crazy for you. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, based on Gershwin's so you can songs. Sing. Uh, well, so what happened was, so everyone liked me and I was really good in the, um, you know, in the sort of, uh, conventional or, you know, the, the non singing just play mm. plays. I was good in those and the drama teacher who directed all the stuff, like he liked me and I had, so this, this is interesting. I had, there was, there's one part in crazy for you that really it's, it's a main character who doesn't really do any singing Mm. at all. So I auditioned for that part and I thought that I had a pretty good chance to get it. And I I was like, Oh, like I, I can get it. And I was a senior and there was sort of like an unwritten rule of like, you know, the seniors get preferential Mm. casting in the shows. Don't say that around me. I got Um, got a story. 
Okay, all right. Not, I, I, I don't want to go there. Okay, all right. Yeah, we, we, you know, <laughs> That's we, okay. we, we won't press. You know, I believe is, in that. I do the, believe in yeah, preferential. This is an opt-in mm-hmm. conversation. But, so I was, I was a senior. I had auditioned for this particular role. I didn't get it. It went to someone who was a junior, who was very good, like was, you know, a pretty good actor, a very good singer. Um, and I remember like there was some story about that, like that character had a love interest and the director didn't want there to be like didn't want it to be an interracial couple mm. which i don't really buy because i was in other shows where there were yeah like yeah, yeah where like you know it was me and a and a young white woman who were like like a couple so yeah. i'm like i'm like i don't you know i feel like that's like the burning question for everyone that, yeah. that did theater at one point it's like why didn't i get that right part yeah. you know like we always have those i have yeah i have some of those some of those questions too so i'm always like you know you just gotta just gotta put that away put it away yeah. in the corner yeah, and, and don't think about it. <laughs> and what's interesting for me was that, like, especially back then, I mean, like, I was just, I was not really race conscious at all. Mm. Like, like every now and then there would be like little things that would like come up, and yeah. like when they came up, like they came up big for me. But mm-hmm. in my very like general day to day life, I was just like, yeah, it, it wasn't a concern. But yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah, that that was the one musical I was in, and yeah, I've, cool. I, but I've never really been a musical person mm-hmm. yeah like i'm just they're, like they're not my thing mm-hmm. like i i'll maybe see hamilton maybe like if, if someone had three hamilton. tickets yeah. mm-hmm. um but i'm i'm also maybe it's just because it's been out for so long and it's like so mm-hmm. talked about that like i feel like it's a thing it's right. like yeah i don't i don't want to be you a part do of the thing. thing yeah i don't want to go see way. it because everyone says it's cool to right, see it right, right. and i'm also and it's because like i'm really into history like mm-hmm. i love history but I'm not really that into rap, so it's like mm. uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hear like Thomas Jefferson or uh, right. you know Aaron Burr rap about. Is there rap in it? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. like a fair. Yeah, and and from hmm. what I've heard, like there's even um, a fair amount of very like hip hop Easter eggs in it, where like they'll cool. make references to like Mob Deep and wow. um, yeah, and like different people. So uh, my friend, so my friend Greg, who he he and his wife went up to see it on broadway and mm. like and and greg was like you know it's one of those dudes who like listened to nothing but rap from like 1992 yeah. to 2004 yeah. so so he's like oh yeah like it's cool because like you know they reference mob deep in this part you know and then they you know reference i don't know like whomever okay you know, yeah i mean i'm not very good at something. catching those references yeah. either um i just want to see it. yeah i do i like musicals i i, I miss seeing musicals um, and I want to, I do want to, and that's another, I want to get back into theater. I feel like there's a lot of things that like, I want to pull back from like my upbringing that I want to do again and like mm-hmm. do better. And, you know, and, and I'm also just like, what other hobbies, you know, would I want? I want to start playing the cello. That's like the only thing that's new. Um, but other than that, I'm like, man, I really like these things I did when I was younger. I want to do that again, but cello, cello. Yeah. Nice. So if you can get nice. me a cello, a softball team and a church. <laughs> and then that that's 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 that, the big three that's yeah big yeah three. right now mm-hmm. there's a way to make it happen i yeah. don't know what that way is but know. you know the the universe will provide mm-hmm. will provide yes. a way yes. um so like do you have like like what are your top three like favorite musicals that like mm. you know even if you've never seen them or and think... and and it could you know they mm-hmm. could be relatively obscure i mean like i don't know, maybe yeah. there's a, a random Andrew Lloyd Webber show that only five people have heard about. I'm still, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I, I'm definitely on the fringes too of, you know, like all of what theater shows or, you know, I'm always learning about new ones. Um, I'm on the fringes for that, but I really do love ragtime. Ragtime was so foundational 
even for myself, you know, getting getting into African American studies and all that, like it's it started really because we we started having these conversations of like let's put all the black kids together yeah. and i was like wow this is fascinating this is weird like you know mm-hmm. and i'm yeah. also living it uh, so ragtime um i want to see once on this island i kept saying, oh you've never seen it i haven't no. wow interesting yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. yeah um uh i we so i went to university of the arts and we did a production I went to university of the arts whoa you whoa. went to university of the yeah. arts yeah. hey man yeah, no right. wonder we're like yeah yeah we're on, we're on we've actually known line. each other man yeah. this is crazy yeah mm-hmm. i what in what year did you graduate uh 2018 that's, i just graduated yeah. that's awesome that's mm-hmm. yeah i graduated in 2000 yeah. and and also because yeah because when you were talking about like performing wicked in high school uh middle school middle school yeah, yeah and i mean like what year did wicked come out you know i mean i no, i remember learning yeah. about it as an adult because i yeah. think it came out when I was an adult, because I'm 40, so... Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, I performed it. That was, like, 2008, 2007. Yeah, so that's, probably yeah. like, early, late 90s or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so just, like, you, like, being like, oh, yeah, like, we did Wicked in, oh, right, in, right, in middle right, school. Yeah. I'm like, that's insane. That's insane. That's crazy. <laughs> um, Once again, she's 24. Today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just got here. Yeah, because uh, literally any... I mean, I feel like a lot of people are like this, but any mm-hmm. person that I hang out with, like, that I'm spending time with, I just assume they're the same age I am. Th- that's been happening a lot more yeah. since getting into Philadelphia. That definitely has been happening. Like, we have to remind ourselves... Because I'll, I'll be like, man, I remember when this came out? And I was like, man, I, yeah, I was just getting out of, like, you know, middle school. And they're like, wait, yeah. pause. Yeah, <laughs> huh? <laughs> <Right>. That's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. We'll um, keep having those moments, yeah. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, that's... That's awesome. Uh, yeah, what was I going to say? Musicals? Da, 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 da. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, We're just generally getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you feel about the... I feel like they're making musicals about everything now. So mm. there was like the Batman musical, maybe really? there was a Spider-Man musical. I think I heard about Spider-Man. Yeah. They've, they've made a mean girls musical, which I actually, that's out right see. now. Isn't yeah, it? It's, it's out downtown. right now. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's at the mm-hmm. Academy of music, which I may watch because I love the movie mean girls. Like that's one of my favorite movies. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I don't know I, too much I about it. I kind of wanted to see the legally blonde musical. So I used to sell tickets for the Kimmel Center back in cool. 2008. So I when was all just those, at the Kimmel Center. Yeah, when all those shows were coming mm-hmm. out, like like if you called like the, the phone number, like you know in the brochure, like you'd you pick know, up. Yeah, I, I would be the person on the mm-hmm. other end of the phone. So to anyone that I might have sold the Kimmel Center or Academy of Music or Merriam Theater tickets to, I apologize. I was very miserable when I was at that oh, job. No. <laughs> so so if so if you're like, oh, this voice sounds familiar, and right. that guy was a complete ass to oh, me. Oh no. You're probably correct. Just remember how good the show was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah ignore me and yeah. remember how good the show was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but like, I don't know. I feel kind of, mm. I, I feel kind of like high art purist when I'm like, how dare they besmirch the, mm. the Mean Girls brand by turning it into a musical. But I don't right. know if that's... Uh, if that's musical theaterist, you know, because, because, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm not a lover of musicals. Mm. So, so I love I, being in them yeah. and I, oh, oh yeah, that's the last most poor game best. I do love watching them too. I just don't get out to, it. it's like one of those things that you love, you love it. You just don't get out to it often. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of how I am right now. I love black musicals, uh, for sure. I, I want to get more into opera. Like, um, oddly enough, I don't know why it's like, I feel like interest will just strike you out mm-hmm. of nowhere yeah. and you're like, I'm yeah. into this now. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
Um, but you can't tell nobody because they're like, you're not really into it. Right. You just found out about it. So, yeah. So. The, the interest has to start somewhere. Has to start you know, somewhere, I mean, yeah. like, yeah. you know, I was, mm-hmm. when I got into the Beatles, it was because the Beatles anthology, you know, like documentary series came out when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I really listened to a Beatles song before then. There were songs that I heard on the radio that I then later learned were the right. Beatles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's like, I don't know, like you gotta, it's always, it's, at some point it's going to be new. Like yeah, even the person yeah. who can tell you all the ins and outs mm-hmm. of, I don't know, Sondheim or, uh, you know, whoever the other big musical theater composers are. Right. It's like, yeah, it, well at a certain point, like they didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And it's also possible that when they first started listening to those shows they were doing it to impress their friends or to mm-hmm. impress a girl or impress a guy or mm-hmm. you know impress you know whomever right. so yeah whatever but it ends up taking over the whole country exactly <laughs> right. exactly yeah yep all right uh so we all, we only have a few minutes left i want to thank you for for uh you know uh this great conversation sort of like walking me through your life your yeah. you know your experiences you know the the, the different uh the different uh, artistic influences that you have. Mm. Um, so, uh, so I want to try to tie some pieces together. So, so with the, um, with the rug work, mm-hmm. like, w- what really, what do you get out of it? Mm. Like, 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 what are the things? Like, what are the emotions that you associate with it? Right. And like, and and what sort of like feeling does it give you? Hmm. Well, I mean, knowing that it's five generations, you know, it's it's fulfilling. Um, I, I love history. I love history, and I, I have, I know it's important. You know, it's always like, why is it important? I, I don't know why. It just is. Um, and it's kind of like the same with the rugs. It's like I know it's important that I continue this. I don't want to hear that you know it's five generations and then it stopped. And then, and you know, sure. right, right. Um, so that that in and of itself is very fulfilling. Um, I think, you know, just as a growing up, uh, and to this day, I can be a bit of a loner and it's a, it's a solo practice. So, you know, that's, um, that's nice too. It's something that, you know, you go and you, and you work on it and it's, it's just yourself. Um, so that, that too, it just, it makes sense. It makes sense for me. And I love how random it is, you know, and, and that it's, you know, eco-friendly, um, you're making something out of, out of, you know, random materials, um, and it's it's my mom. It's something that brings us closer. You know, it's it's uh, you know what else what else do we usually do together other than eat and you know talk and you know go to church? Um, it's it's something that you know she likes to. She'll always be telling me stories about my grandma, stories that I would never have heard otherwise, um, right. because we're there in the rug room. Um, so and that's I mean I just that to me just is so important and so lovely. Um, and uh, yeah yeah I I want to. I want to share it, you know, I want to share it, whether it be, you know, I have kids and I can, I can teach them. I hope that they find it interesting also, or if, you know, if I have to pass it on to someone, you know, I, I always, I would love to, for it to be, you know, blood, you know, sure, relative, yeah. Yeah. But, but if not, I think it's just, um, having, knowing, knowing how to make something from scratch. Um, you know, most of my family, my mother's side, that was their life. You know, they, they built their own house made their own heating system, made their own, you know, that's, that's not uncommon. If you go up to, to my family in Minnesota, I find it brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. Um, and you know, living, living somewhere in Philadelphia where most things are manufactured for you. Um, just having one thing that you can start from, from absolute scratch, um, and make, you know, 
is it's brilliant you know and, and it's valued and, and I, I also of course I like that that people see it and they kind of understand a value to it also um so I I just like I like it, it feels good it's meditative you know it's creative um and and I can also you know I can keep them I can sell them I can make a collection you know I can and there's a story to tell there's a story that goes along with it and I think stories are what what really brings people together mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so I like that I can tell a story and the interpretation is yours um uh you know I can talk all day about you know what it feels to be the you know first black person in my family to to be doing this practice and what does that mean you know I'm really it's as much your interpretation as is mine I, you know it just is for me I mean my mother taught it to me she was my mother before she was my white mother you mm -hmm. know <laughs> I kind of yeah, found yeah. out later uh, I was like oh Angela, right, yeah. you know and I'm and I'm mixed and now I'm black you know it's like the, mm -hmm, the terminologies mm -hmm. change and, and and you know as such is life um but having something that's tangible and that that is positive and helpful and useful um that I can that I can pull from it um for generations you know since my great 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 grandmother 1850 you know this is so all the history that was going on at that time and she was doing this and then you know directly related to that and all the history that's going on in my time and I'm and we're still doing this mm -hmm. you know it's, mm -hmm. she's still doing this just through through me um so I I find it I just find it so motivating and special mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that I, re I really really appreciate that um something that I'm curious about because you said you know you're a bit of a loner but yeah. then this like interest in choir and musicals which is mm -hmm. a very communal it is art how, yeah. how, how does the loner fit into that well i mean it's it's communal in that um you practice together you sing together um whether or not you you're together after you finish sure. um is another thing and i i mean in this you know we can go back to the conversations you know i was the only only black girl in in you know church choir and i love all, all the folks that i sing with i do love my church family um back home but you know there's there's something about that you know i'm mm -hmm. not we're and i'm also the pretty much the youngest person too so i'm sure, also sure. you know we're generations apart and yeah. we're shades yeah. apart um and in high school you know I, I definitely oh my gosh yeah no i had a great group of friends um we've all gone our way into the world now you know so um finding you know finding myself again i don't have the choir so now i'm like kind of just um just out here you know finding my own um but yes it is very communal and i think you know maybe maybe that's why i'm a loner because i'm not in the choir right now <laughs> interesting um, interesting yeah yeah but but it's i mean it is something I, I like being in social spaces i do like you know even if i'm going by myself you can find me i'll be all over the city people are always like hannah you're always just walking somewhere <laughs> nice you know yeah. i just run into you on the street like you no, no one with you it's like it'll be you know, typically not too late at night, but it'll be like late at night. They'll be like, do you want to ride? Like, are you okay? You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm just walking. Um, so that's, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy these type of things right now, but, um, yeah, I like being in social spaces, whether I'm by myself or, or not. Um, but kind of growing, building something together, especially through song. I love, that's why I love choirs. Cause I mean, like even with, you know, people who might be strange to you, you know, you can have 400 people, you only know three in the actual choir, but you know them through the parts that they sing you know mm -hmm. and yeah it just there's there's a harmony to it of strangers you know Ooh, that's a good book title the har yeah the harmony of strangers the harmony of strangers yeah it's a very yeah. good book there title. we go <laughs> so yeah yeah but um but yeah that's why I, I really do 
I like I like singing. I'm finding I'm finding ways to get back into it. Even at the African American Museum, my mm-hmm. tours I um I have the tour groups with me. Uh, right now, our exhibition is looking at the Negro National Anthem mm-hmm. as a part of it. So I'll have everyone sing it together with me. I'm like I'm like I want to sing, so you're gonna sing. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. I, I I think that's you know I think that's very mm-hmm. powerful and something that I'm interested in exploring and I want to explore through this podcast is, you know, I'm, I'm learning that there's sort of like different spheres of people that I want to, you know, with, with under the framework of black artists and black creatives talking about white influences. But, but one of the things I'm really interested in exploring is, uh, the, the multifaceted elements of art that are generated by people where the art isn't necessarily their main vocation mm. or isn't even necessarily something that like they even draw that much income from. Mm. Because I do think that there is really something to the idea of bringing as much art into your day-to-day mm. life as possible. And so, I mean, like something for me that I even do, and it may not look like it by how I'm dressed, but like like even like the shirt and short combinations that I put together. It's like, it's, it's like art. Yeah. It's like, yeah. There, there's, there's a certain amount of, of art in it. And then later Straight I will, up Picasso, um, just all yeah, yeah. You know, Cause I, you know, I, I want yeah. every day, yeah. I really want every day to be my best life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want everything to be a reflection of that. Like yeah. how I raise my son, how I interact with my wife, how I talk to my parents, mm-hmm. how I deal with someone flipping me off in traffic. Like, you know, and, and art. And the, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, I can, I can make an, an art out yeah. of honking my horn at people. Right. Um, but yeah. And, and I, you know, and I think that especially for people who had a, a strong artistic impulse when they were younger and that, maybe got away from them as they mm. become adults and one for one reason or another and then finding a way to like integrate that back in you yeah. know it's i you know i think when you can figure out to do that in a way that makes sense for you i think like you know like that's really like you know the the sweet spot and you know and i think that there is ways and i think that you are doing this which whether you're conscious of it or not i think you are conscious of it though because you're a very very intelligent person is Thank that you. it seems like a lot of the work that you're doing with the rugs with exploring the many facets of your parental lineage and mm-hmm. the cultural implications of that with your personal identity with your just sort of like living through life earning you know earning an actual tangible income and then <laughs> yes, also indeed. fueling With benefits. fueling your yeah. your spiritual mm. and religious you know sometimes those things intersect sometimes they don't mm. you know right. however it works for the individual i feel like you're really trying to put that together in a specific tapestry that makes sense in for a rug. you no, yeah. you know yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah i mean yeah. and i think like yeah and the like and the rug mm-hmm. is is maybe like the perfect metaphor of like disassembling and reassembling yep. and it's like okay it was maybe intended for this but now it's this and now it's this it's personal this. thing and like you may see it as this thing but mm-hmm. i see it as this thing mm-hmm. and 50 other people will see it as this thing but like i have to focus on like what this means right. and at the end me. of the day you're just walking on it you yeah know, you know yeah wow like, yeah. and then you don't even a lot of times it's a, a good you know a good rug is it's barely you barely notice that it's in the room it just it does mm-hmm. its job yeah you know? it's like yeah yeah that's why you know i make i make a lot of conversation about it but I, and folks are like well you know you should you know why would you put it on the floor put it up on the wall i'm like you know i mean these have always just been that's why we don't do designs you know we don't we don't get it you know it's fancy enough just to make it um but it's really about it's really about it being used um 
a good rug you know it's beat up you know it's been used for for many many years um you don't you don't really think about it you know it's nothing to nothing to show off but those are the, the oldest ones the ones that have you know collected so much uh, experience on them so yeah yeah that's there I can there's so many metaphors and I'm mm-hmm. definitely I love I love metaphors yeah. when I'm speaking in them so if I can make them too it's yeah you know, it's, real. It's, it's a beautiful thing um mm-hmm. there um but before we wrap up I I did want to um get back to something that I wanted to explore a little earlier so sure. I'm I'm curious you made a couple of comments just about your time in at Temple at the, in the African American Studies Department mm-hmm. and a lot of you know just the very um, uh, emotionally charged ideas that people have around Black nationalism um, you know and and really I mean just about you know uh, what I interpret as the way to not just be like authentically Black mm. but I think maybe also sort of like responsibly Black because mm-hmm. you know, like I, I know for myself. I've gone through a thing of like, uh, okay, well, like, is it okay if I watch this show? Like, if I'm a conscious black person, right. like, you know, this is sort of the thing that um, when I met Naomi, I was sort of like, whoo, mildly relieved mm. with was because partially because, you know, since I really come from like the white hipster culture, it's like, you know, I like shows like Portlandia. I like mm-hmm. shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Seinfeld. And then I remember meeting Naomi and it's like, oh man, am I going to have to pretend like I don't like Seinfeld right, uh, right. because like I'm going to get excommunicated? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, well she likes Seinfeld too and right, she's from Harlem, right. so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, right, you have, to, yeah. you have to get an outside source to it. Right, yeah. So, so it's like, it's like you're yeah. like super, super, super black. Right, so right. like, uh, so if you mm-hmm. like Seinfeld, it's, it's okay it's for It's the idea of, you know, what is authentically black, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so much, you know, for that, you know, was like constructs for me of like, oh, well, She's from a neighborhood that people like very much associate with black America. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, and she was, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I think she, yeah, she was an, uh, she was an Arabic studies minor in mm-hmm. college. And, um, you know, I mean, she was part of like NAACP youth council, mm-hmm. which like doesn't make you, cause I'm, you know, my dad is from the West side of Chicago. So it's yeah. like, that's, that's super black right there, right, you know? Right. And, and my and I'm sure that my dad probably doesn't have very high opinions of the NAACP. I mean, he's, he's just, he's just suspicious of big organizations in mm. general, regardless of who's behind them. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I won't, you know, well, it, I might it, be a CIA baby. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, in any organization can be flawed, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too far down uh, right. that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. but, um, but I was just wondering, so did you feel like a bit of a loner or like a lone wolf in the African-American studies department? Hmm. Like, yes, no, no like, may- gosh, like maybe, no. maybe not. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, I think you're, you're a student, uh, you're, you know, you're studying, you're getting to know your own interests. Um, so that, that in and of itself makes you a bit of a loner you know because you're like because everyone has their their you know their field of study even mm-hmm. within african-american studies well you know she's interested in medicine he's interested in law you know this politics anthropology sure so so yeah so kind of finding your niche um that that you're always balancing you know between being a loner and having community um no but i've, ne- I've probably never had so many friends um you know, and colleagues, uh, as I did in African-American studies and, and even, you know, and that's, you know, the discord that, that, 
goes along with it. And this is, this is so interesting because we had a really good, uh, went to a panel uh, yesterday uh, talking about discord um, and that, you know, agreeing, everyone agreeing on something doesn't, doesn't make you all friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really having that discord too, uh, it makes you, makes you a better, you know, well, better being critical, better at um, holding debate, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that, and that's really valued in African-American studies um, at Temple. So, I'd say that there's, you know, there's really good community um, for that, you know, because you, you, it's about the values that you have. It's not so much, um, you know, the different views that you put alongside each other, um, you know, and, and being able to track whatever views you have is important. Being able to kind of give the, give the sources um, for why it is that you're saying, you know, what is it you're saying? Um, that's, that, that's much what it was about um, being in that, being in that um, environment. Uh, so no, no, you know, you're a loner because you're you're trying to figure you know you're configuring all these different um methods and you know methodologies behind how it is that you do your research um but you're in community because you know you're all kind of producing a, a similar you have a similar um you have a similar approach to how it is that you're going to communicate with one another because you're teaching each other mm-hmm. how to communicate um you're you know you're holding the arguments so you know if this is if you can do it here uh, once you go outside this department, you know, you have a similar, you have a similar background, you know, the way that people argue, you know, and, and I say argue, I mean like debate. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, in, yeah. Engage in, the engage in conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, outside of, of, of your, you know, original home, home place department um, is, is going to sound a lot different. So, you know, once you get back, you know, I, I'm always, I still live around Temple. So I still mm-hmm. um, am around all the folks I went to school with um, and how we relate to one another. It's like, yeah, I don't, I only get this here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's always a both hand, you know, I can always, I'm definitely, that's in my personality. I always make every answer. I'm like, yes, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, loner, but not alone. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how I would say it. Yeah. So were there, um, were there like three particular books or authors Ooh that you that you um learned about during your time in the african-american studies department that like really really like sort of burned a hole in your brain you know where where it's like oh the works by this person really resonates with me or Mm -hmm. you know this particular uh pedagogical framework or this particular lens at looking at rectifying this issue Hmm. i want to yes for sure yes i mean i and actually i think this is where um, I go back to, you know, enjoying, um, you know, oddly enough, sci-fi. Like I like Octavia Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, this is all out of, you know, studying the black woman. Um, there's a course called the black woman and we would, you know, just study ourselves through the, through, uh, different, um, different literature, bell hooks, um, Toni Morrison, you know, so I think that's really what did, did so much for me. I mean, uh, pedagogy and kind of getting into, um, how it is that we that we approach the world at least through their lens i think was is so much more sensitive to to who you know to who i am as a black woman um so yeah yeah i'd say i'd say black women writers that that write and talk to and about black women um stuck with me um but i think as kind of for what influenced me moving you know into the field of study or how it is that I, that i now you know see um, how I can see myself benefiting, um, benefiting Philadelphia, I don't know the world, 
um, working at the Bloxham Collection. I'm actually, you know, I'm really into understanding how to how to preserve, you know, these sites, um, really revolutionary sites, like places like the Bloxham where you have, you know, over 500,000 mm-hmm. materials like that. I mean, it's not, it's not a book per se, but it's a house of books. I'm like, right, okay, yeah. you know, so yeah. that, that to me, I'm like, wow, this is, it's very powerful. And like, the, and the fact that it's run by, you know, for black women and, and then students, you know, that, that kind of uh, filter in and out every, every few years, um, that's, it's so much work, you know? So uh, that, that to me, um, spoke volumes and really just give, gives me something to, to attach myself to. Um, cause I know that there's so much work to be done and, and I know how to do a lot of it. So, um, I, and I can make a career out of it even mm-hmm, on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, and I can get paid. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So that's, that's, uh, where I, I see myself, you know, along, along with playing the cello at my church while, being a softball player um i definitely want to <laughs> i definitely want to um continue just being in the archives and and teaching people how to how to learn for for themselves to you know uh you know to get once you get out of formal education you're now a lifelong learner mm-hmm. um and so a lot of folks are like okay you know i'm gonna google it <laughs> but um but really you know getting into um, seeing these rare, rare books, you know, the difference between a library and an archive is that, you know, you go from having materials that can circulate to having materials that are very rare um, and, and have to be housed within. Um, and therefore, you know, when you when you come to the to the collection, you typically have a very specific um, item that you want to see. Um, but not always, you know, even if you don't just come anyway. But um, yeah, I just enjoy these different the different approaches of education and, and letting folks know it's like um, how to how to navigate this you know the learning through physically going places not mm-hmm. just not just being being on your computer because the experience of learning and who it is that you meet sometimes you have to have conversations with folks and and here you know a lot of times when you're looking something up by yourself like when i was doing a research on the famine i was googling it and you can you can learn a lot from google um you can write a whole thesis from it if you need to um but having human interaction as you go mm-hmm. along yeah makes definitely big difference, definitely so. Yeah, and I mean, and one of the things, so you know, like I mean, I I love history, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's it's one of the reasons that I ask as many questions about like people's childhoods and mm-hmm. impressions because it's like I because I really one of the things I've loved in learning about history is so there is the like there's the just the facts the bio you know the biographical information right. blah 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 did X on June fifteenth seventeen forty five. That's one thing, but like the emotional history mm-hmm. and the connections and, and even understanding how that gets passed down through stories, I think is super powerful. And for me, I feel like speaking about black history, African history, like, you know, whatever the choice of words is that resonates with people. A lot of the, uh, I feel like a lot of the emotional history like doesn't make it into the history right. books, and I think part of that is because of who's telling mm-hmm. the the stories. Because if if people aren't invos- invested in the emotion and in the narrative, and it's just like a recitation of facts or right. sort of a like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like let's pacify you by telling you about yeah. Harriet Tubman. It, it, I, I think like you know, like that really does. I'd you know, love to know the emotions yeah. of Harriet Tubman. Yeah, that would, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and to like and and I'm also super into um kind of like 
not the like the day to day stuff. So I mean, uh, you know, uh, conversations around like black wealth and black equity are like very deep to me. Like mm. like these are very personally important things to me. Partially just because of the 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 work that my dad worked the work that my dad did in corporate finance and partially just you know living in philadelphia seeing people in poverty seeing mm-hmm. generations of black folks where it's like there's no net worth and knowing the history behind that and so you know i am a believer of like you know we've been very good you know for the most part like developing our spiritual wealth but like mm-hmm. our financial wealth well we were very good at it but then our neighborhoods were bombed right, um right. but like I think that's something something that we have gotten away from. So that is something that I find interesting. So like learning about the very the various Black Wall Streets that have existed. I'm like, this is just this is so powerful. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, and I also want to know what it like. What was it like to just like be a black person in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in like 1932? Like, what did y'all do for fun? Like, yeah. like what mm-hmm. what was the big entertainment? Like, like like. Who was the the 1930s version of like Janelle Monet? Like, right, I'm, like right. I'm sure there had to be some like super avant garde woman who was like doing mm-hmm. what like shows and like was a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and and I feel like you know like Stormy a lot, like yeah like a lot of that <laughs> doesn't really um, uh, that you can't really find right. through Google. And I think that there is something there there is very much to your point of there's a such a distinct difference between dialoguing with people about yep. like oh did you know this thing and like oh if you like that book check out this thing and yeah, this film video yeah. you like this video and we're going to go to this book discussion and this person's like, going to be speaking here you're learning about these similar interests that you share with people you know with people who i mean you know and this is this is like we can take it into afrofuturist mm-hmm. you know past ideas but like you're learning about these times and these places and these emotions that you're seeking with people who share those same emotions yes, yes. so it's like man if it were in that time and place i'm sure i wouldn't known you you know yeah. it's like yeah so and it just gives so, it's so much richer so yeah ab- absolutely absolutely and and then i also think that there is something very powerful about being fully engaged in something where it's like i'm not just looking at a a internet screenshot of a manuscript that was you know or you know uh, a songbook that was at mother bethel it's Mm -hmm. like oh no like i can like see it and like you know can't necessarily touch it because it's probably in a glass case but it's like you can get right up go to archives they let you touch things oh man hey very nice yeah (laughs) yeah, and it you know it just it, it reminds me of um uh some of the like the early nasa engineers were just talking about how like before the graphic calculators were made and they mm-hmm. had to use slide rules for everything. And they said like, you were so much more engaged in the mathematic yeah. calculations because like one, if you made a mistake, like people literally died and you can't blame it on the computer, <laughs> but it, but it's like, you're, you're fully invent Like you yeah. are, you are living the equation. So mm-hmm. like people landing on the moon, it's, it's like, well, this is an extension of me because like my, my brain and soul and my, my humanity actually enabled that to happen yeah i think that's a very powerful feeling mm-hmm. that's why i want to mention uh, a friend of mine she wrote her thesis about what's called a, a numinous experience which is uh, when you see something a lot of times it happens in museums and archives when you're seeing something or you, you can touch something that just something about you holding it, it really shifts your entire like trajectory mm-hmm. for who you yeah. become um, so I'm like, that's so fascinating. And, and it's, it's something that exists, you know, it's, it's so it's called numinous experience, um, which, yeah, I'm like, that's something that doesn't come through Google, you yeah. know, 
or you know but not to not to shame google right, right. Yeah. there's so many it's so important you know and I'm, I'm sure you can see an image um but but just having it directly in front of you and it being rare something that you're not mm-hmm. gonna find you know you have to be here yes. now yeah. at this point and you're the only one that's doing it so yeah. you know it makes it special mm-hmm. excellent excellent all right so uh for final three questions sure if someone could only listen to three songs from the show Damn Yankees, <laughs> what are the three? What, what what are the three best songs in Damn Yankees, or your three favorite songs three from favorite. Damn Yankees? Uh, was that Whatever Lola Wants for sure? Um, let's see. You know what's actually funny? I oh gosh, all my high school friends are gonna be like, really, Hannah? Because I actually don't remember too much music from damn yankees um gosh you know what name another musical because i'm always like wicked wicked yeah. oh um <laughs> you're naming all the ones and, and you and you could so... you could literally make up any song really, I, I've, I've never it, seen yeah. wicked so you you could you could make up stuff and well, I'd be the like, entrance okay, song yeah. for with the intro song for wicked for sure um maybe if i just pull one song from each different musical so from damn yankees my favorite song is whatever lola wants i think okay. it has the most notoriety the introduction to wicked um, and then lastly, I'm going to say the introduction to Ragtime um, for three songs that probably, yeah, that like was like the numinous experience mm-hmm. of singing. Um, yeah, we we had a, we actually won. Um, it was a Freddie Awards in Easton. It's a big deal. Um, but we won it for Ragtime and we had to perform that piece on stage in front of, you know, in front of a big music hall. Uh, we got a standing ovation like it was it was so powerful. Like, so, yeah, yeah. The intro to Ragtime. That's awesome. mm-hmm, for all my Estonians out here. Nice, nice. Easton represent. 2012 Easton. Oh, no, it was 2011. 2011. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, around t- that time. T- time is fluid. You know, it's, yes. all, it's all good. Um, what are... If there are... Th- if there are three lessons that you have learned about life through the rug work apprenticeship that your mother has engaged you in Hmm. yeah like what what are three takeaways takeaways. for life that you've learned through that work with her Hmm. let's see three takeaways um (laughs) advance the loom early that's uh that's like a for actually when you're in the practice Mm -hmm. um yeah if you've I always like to wait until like it's the, the loom is like nearly I'll like take it to the very edge where it's like the whole thing's real tight. And I'll be like, I can get one more through here. Mm-hmm. And she'll see me. She's like, oh, my gosh, my daughter's crazy. I've never broken it that way. But like I just I, I have like a very close balance with the loom. But she's like, you know, one of these days you're not going to be that close. Right, yeah, it's, it's, gonna ruin it's not going to work out so <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So advance the loom early. Advance the loom early. Um, Let's see. Advance the loom early. Um, hmm. Uh, you know, put aside time to, to really be down in the rug room. Cause you can, you know, put aside time, you know, find time to, to be down there. Cause you know, you can get away from it. Um, so, so easily, like right now I haven't, I haven't probably made a rug in almost six months. Um, just cause I'm so busy with work, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm in the yeah. field of study. Um, so yeah, so put aside time. I'm still, that's something I'm telling to myself, um, right now. Um, and, uh, you know, hmm, <laughs> I feel like I'm making about the loom itself. You know, don't don't pull the edges too tight, or else uh, the loom, the rug 
school. Yeah, yeah, no. Wonky. This, yep, it's the per- this is the perfect meshing yeah. of form and content. It's really it's about the form, you know. And that's uh, you know we she tells me stories, you know. I mean, ta- tell stories as you go, you know. It's nice to find she'll be on the sewing machine as I'm on the loom. You know, this is the fourth one, um, but you know, talk to each other as you go, um, because you can really yeah you can end up doing it so real real solo um, practice, which is which is okay. But you know when you know now that I have my mother with me, you know. I, I definitely want to make sure I'm talking to her mm-hmm. um, so I can get as much out of this, as much knowledge from her and as many stories from her uh, as possible. So mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and if there are three books by Octavia Butler that you think everyone should read. Uh, let's see. Parable of the Sower. Um, hmm. Gosh. Kindred. And... You know, actually, those are the two that I've read, and she's written so many more. Um, you named the third one. Is there one I haven't read? Lilith's Brood. There we I go. I think that's one. I, I own it. I've never read it. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've read those two, so I can't recommend one I haven't read. But yeah, I know they're respect. all fabulous. Okay. So, Beautiful. There Beautiful. we go. Lilith's Brood. Um, also, like sidebar, so the town that I lived in in California, she grew up in the neighboring town. Really? Yeah, she grew up in Pasadena, California. I kn- yeah. Her- yeah. So... So I went to school in Pasadena, hmm. and I lived in Altadena. So, okay. and Altadena is literally just north of Pasadena. And also, you know, with it being California, a lot of names are derived from Spanish names. So Alta being high. So yeah, oh, like okay. Altadena is kind of up in the mountains. Oh, okay. But yeah, but the, the schools go. I went to were in Pasadena. Hmm. So yeah, and I, I, you know, sadly enough, I, I literally didn't learn about Octavia Butler. Probably until Vashti started working at Treehouse. I mm. think, like, may- maybe when I met Naomi, because, like, I mean, Naomi yeah. was an English major in college, and you know, and is very well read. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really. I mean, and like, I mean, it just the the whole concept of Afrofuturism, I didn't really know about. I mean, I was always into science fiction. Yeah. Um, but sure, that like opened up a whole yeah. new world. Yeah. No, yeah, and it, and, it, and it, mm-hmm. like it was great because. Um, you know, one of the things that I always really struggled with was I was kind of spoiled because Star Trek really, really tried to go for like this racial utopia, right. like with, you know, just like the casting and the representation, mm-hmm. but most science fiction no. isn't yeah, that no. way. Mm-hmm. And, and that was part of just my thing growing up of like, oh yeah, like I really like science fiction, but like, it, can I be a socially conscious black person right. watching this? like you know white people have dominion over the entire universe yeah. like like yeah. we're the black folk so this is fine <laughs> yeah so, so then you know so then when afrofuturism right. came you know into my radar it's like oh this is super cool like i'm digging this and i'm and i actually am not even afrofuturism isn't like necessarily totally my thing mm-hmm. because um I've, I've been talking to several people about this where I have a hard time, and and so you know, I I may say something that like is complete, like you know, people who love Octavia <laughs> Butler and love Afrofuturism are like, what the hell are you talking about? Right, like you're right. you're completely wrong with what you're mm-hmm. about to say. But so, um, and I was I was talking to Corey Delaney about this, mm. um, when I inter- I, cause I interviewed him for the show uh, like two weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. But so sort of in general, like um, for my life as, as as a black person, sometimes I get sort of like overwhelmed by what i lovingly call 
African stuff that's like it's hard mm. for me to wrap my brain around. So like when people start talking about like you know Kemet and the old Songhai Empire and Sumiata right. and and Mansa Musa, it's like yeah okay like I feel you. It's super hard to relate to that because like that was from right. hundreds of years ago. Yeah. It's like uh, I need I, I need I need stuff done after mm-hmm. the advent of electricity. Yeah. So then with Afrofuturism. It's like, yeah, okay, like I, like I, I, I feel you, I feel you, but like some Afrofuturism is like a little too hard mm. for me to relate to. Like, like even yeah, you the, have your interest. Yeah, you have like, your, yeah, yeah, like you know the 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 film Black Panther, I love. Mm-hmm. Like you know when it when it when I saw the previews, I was like, this is freaking awesome. I'm all about this. Uh, but then there was like a certain point where, um, not even going into like the like the politics of the film, but Killmonger to me was a much more relatable character than T'Challa because it's like mm. T'Challa he's always wearing robes and you know and, <laughs> and he's doing his best like you know it's this sort of a South thing. African accent like it's sort of like a oh yeah, yeah like yeah. it's just right. it's, it's like yeah but like Killmonger's just like he's a dude from Oakland like right, like, right. like you know he's a Wakandan but since he grew up in Oakland like he dresses like a dude from Oakland he talks like a dude from Oakland. He mm-hmm. probably listens to music. Like, you know, like T'Challa just seems like such a like noble, mm-hmm. like, you know, mystical, like, you know, I am the ruler of Wakanda. It's right. like, ah, yeah, I can't relate to that. Like, yeah. Killmonger's a dude. Like, I, right. I relate to him. So so that's kind of my thing. Was with, it the with, like, passing yeah. down? Yeah. I mean, well, that's like wherever in the world, if you have kings and queens versus yeah. presidents. So, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so that, so that, that's, that's kind of how I feel about afrofuturism where, where, where i'm like mm. oh yeah like i don't know like yeah I, I just sort of feel like i drink way too much beer to be an afrofuturist yeah. like like i'm just i, like, I love I'm, beer yeah i like, hope I, there's beer in the future i, I hope so too i don't <laughs> right. know but yeah i like i yeah i right. you know i i wonder about that but how we're how, black people who love beer therefore beer will be in the future mm-hmm, yes mm-hmm. it is afrofuturism yeah 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 <laughs> i yeah i just i feel like sometimes afrofuturism to me feels very like high art Ah, now yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I feel like I haven't been explaining mm. myself or very well, but like it's, yeah. it seems very like high art and very just like, I don't know if pristine is the right word, but like very, very, mm. very high art. And so, um, what Corey and I were talking about was, so I, I, I made a note about a couple things. One, one when I was talking to him, like a month ago when we were hanging out, I was telling him how. Anytime I've like looked into like black clothing companies to like mm-hmm. you know consciously buy clothes from black designers i can literally just never find a shirt or a jacket like like it's always like hashtag woke melanin you know keepers of the culture and and it's like and and my whole thing it's like if if there was like an h&m that was owned by black people or an old navy that was just owned by black people i'm all about it because as you can see it's like i just wear button-up shirts Mm -hmm. like you know if people have pictures of a mary baraka on their hoodie awesome I'm not that dude. Yeah. You do it. So like, I just want a pair of shoes, right. you know? And then um, like, and we were talking about like, even I feel like going to a lot of like black owned restaurants, like it's, you know, it's very like, you know, these beans come from <laughs> Accra. Right. They have been cultivated just yeah. for you. It's like, I love it. I'm not mm-hmm. knocking it. Sometimes That's I just want a plate of nachos. Right, like, right. Can I can I just get like a plate of nachos? Right, right. From a black restaurant. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like we want to normalize. You know, we want to normalize this this these good practices that yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I guess it's like you know when you feel like there's you haven't had you know you're you're representing 
so much, then you want to wear it. You want to mm-hmm. actually wear it on you, which I love. I love, you know, artists that, that it's like they're representing themselves and also creating uh, for other folks. I mean, that's yeah. like if I were to put, you know, I, I, I make my red, black and green rugs. You mm-hmm. know, I make I mm-hmm. make so many different, you know, people want flags. I'm like, I can do flags because it's not actually designed. It's just yeah. a lineup of color. Um, can't do like stars and stripes. Right. No stars. Yeah, just no, stripes. I feel, you. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> but um. And, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. You, you saw the flag in front of our house, so yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got. I got red. I can uh, red, black, and green rugs. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I. I may need to get one. For yeah. You. I, although I'll be super honest, and this is just how like neurotic I am. I would feel super weird, weird walking, walking on, on it. a red, black, that's, and green rug. Yeah. That's what everyone always tells yeah, me. Yeah. Like, like, you know, yeah. I feel like I shouldn't walk on it though. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can put it in other places. I guess. Right. I guess it's more so for the you know the point of the colors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a flag yeah. per se, right, but right, it's the yeah. colors. I feel you. I feel you. I can make it. So that's why I'm like, I just make it. However mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. However people use it is how they use. Right, yes right. um but yeah no i feel you i feel you yeah sometimes i mean it's like you have a you have a style and even though you want to support you know it just doesn't doesn't kind of settle with like what it is that you are comfortable mm-hmm. with um so yeah yeah that's i mean you can still support you know there's other ways of spreading right, i guess yeah. hey, send a donation rather mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. buying a shirt or right mm-hmm. so yeah yeah but hopefully you know folks will just be able to expand their businesses and get to you know reach out to multiple audiences and different styles and yeah that's kind of the goal Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 my hope you know like with a lot of these things so whether it is the black clothing designers it's it's like well yeah i i just want there to be a bazillions you know so so it's like yeah like you know if people want to make super woke hoodies and t-shirts there's a business for that if people just want to make you know uh just button-up shirts there's a business for that if you know if someone wants to make like Twenty thousand dollar impeccable posh business suits. Yeah, th- like there's a there's thing for an audience that. for that. Yeah, right. like like you know because so many other communities have like super 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 yeah. niche. So it's like oh yeah, well like you know we should have that so that you know all of us can be like oh, okay yeah like like you know th- these are the five companies I really roll with. These mm-hmm. ones not so much, but you know but my friend so and so like you'll really be into yeah you know, yeah to you that just kind of match people where they go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. And then final question. Sure. If for you know. For the for the young people that are out there, you know, who are maybe a loner, you know, um, yeah, but just for for young people in general who are trying to find their way in this world and deal with the complexity that is life on planet Earth, mm-hmm. and then particularly um, for young people who are of African descent of the diaspora, whether that is one parent, both parents, or maybe a great 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 grandparent that they like really want to form a connection with Mm -hmm. what what is your advice to them just Mm -hmm. about you know navigating life yeah you know find find what you know you know impassions you find find what you can be very passionate about and what you you know what takes you higher and and see who else is is in that realm you know that's really that's how i've been navigating is you know i find something that I can I can really invest in and like I want to spend time around and then I find out who else is doing that and you know I'm I'm shy as heck but I like to you know I'll be like hey you know what are you doing <laughs> like what are you doing let's hang out <laughs> so you know um but and, and, you know and, and I I always say too you know I like I like I like studying like prodigies and you know folks that that have become the master of their craft um just because you know I'm still I'm still finding, you know, I'm, a, I'm in an administrative role right now and I'm making these rugs um, and 
luckily I'd say my, my mother and my whole mom's side of the family that have been in the practice are definitely masters. Like I don't, you know, at least because there's not so many, you know, they, the, what it is that they make, they're the only ones that look exactly like how they look and they're very well made. Um, so I don't know. I like to, I like to follow, you know, follow the best, you know, the best of the best and what it is that you, um, that you're passionate about. And I say follow, you know, um, I, you know, I don't mean like literally like a follower, sure, yeah. like, you know, um, but just, you know, allow, allow to be yourself to be influenced, um, and, and keep around as much good influence as you can, you know, let yourself, you know, let loose, you know, however it is, whatever it is, I, you know, but take care of yourself. Um, but yeah, really, really just find how, you know, find it, find it and keep searching. Cause sometimes, you know, you, if you don't get it, right away you're like well maybe i'm just a leaf in the wind and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. you'd be surprised you think you are but yeah. you know you're actually being blown in a very strong direction mm-hmm, um, you mm-hmm. know so you'll you'll know when you know um and take care of yourself take care of yourself um you know and don't devalue yourself you know if you're if you're you know when you're young you're you're starting out you know you're you'll be really good at some things and not be good at other things and you probably embarrass yourself a lot um, but that, you know, but keep, keep at it, you know, and, and don't, don't let others devalue you or if they do, at least don't take it to heart. Um, you know, it will, it, you will anyway, that's just what embarrassment does. You know, I've embarrassed myself a thousand times, but, uh, but you gotta keep getting up. Um, yeah. And, and find, you know, find good friends. And if you, if you're being a loner, you know, do, do that, you know, you know, go to that place by yourself and people are going to look at you and, you know, like, why are you alone? Just, just do it. Just do it. And, um, keep just keep on just keep on yeah you'll find it you'll find it it'll find you actually mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it'll it'll yeah. find you it'll find you yeah yeah for the, sure the thing that you were looking for is simultaneously mm-hmm. looking for you it and, is yep yeah and it that, needs you, you it, know. it does yeah powerful excellent mm-hmm. hannah thank you so much i really yeah. appreciate this and uh yeah awesome thank you i appreciate okay. it take care